Welcome to the Rhode Island Liberty Report, your source for libertarian commentary on current events in the Ocean State and Southern New England. Coming to you from Rothbard Studios. All right. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Rhode Island Liberty Report. I'm Mike, and here with me, as always, is Bill and Sean. Hey, what's going on? Hey, hey. It's good to be back. And we also have a special guest in the uh, studio. Uh, <laughs> we've got the next governor of Rhode Island, hopefully, yes. uh, Elijah Gizarelli. How are you doing, Elijah? Welcome, welcome. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Yeah, it's good to, good to have you. Um, it's been a it's it, it's it, it was a, a tentative uh, 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 governorship here. You are the 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 chance at it. So for those of you that uh, are just uh, finding out or just tuning in and not knowing a lot about uh, what happened so far, um, there was a uh, signature period that we were given that all candidates that are trying to get on the ballot to run for office uh, are given, and uh, you need to collect signatures. And uh, each of the different positions that you're running for has a different number of signatures. If you're running for a local office, it's something pretty easy, like, you know, 50 signatures. It's, you know, not a big deal to get. Usually you get about 100 just to, to make sure. If you're running for, uh, you know, statewide office as a uh, congressman or, or uh, you know, uh, lieutenant governor or, you know, it's treasurer, Stefan Praia, and uh, um, <laughs> what's his name, uh, the other guy, uh, I can't even blank it on his name, the Four. old mayor, mayor of uh, Central Falls, James Diosa. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. um, Anyway, they, they have to get 500 signatures. But uh, the governor's race is the race where you need to get 1,000 signatures in order to get uh, your name on the ballot. And they only give you nine days to do it. Nine days. Nine no. days. That's it's not it. really nine days, though. No, because there's a lot that goes into it because you have to pick up the signatures on one day. Uh, and then you have to get copies made uh, because they don't provide you enough copies to get a thousand signatures. No. No. With all the tax dollars we pay, uh, they only uh, limit you to a number of 300 sheets in order to get a thousand signatures. Uh, so we had to spend, uh, you know, the first day picking up the paperwork, uh, go, heading over to our local staples and, mm-hmm. and, and making copies. You just make copies, well, right? That's sh- not- shouldn't be that big of a deal, except it's on legal paper. So it was a little bit of extra cost oh. that went involved with that. Uh, there's also the fact that uh, they, they told us that after we made the copies, we had to bring it back to the Board of Elections <laughs> so they could take a look at them to make sure that they met the requirements of the thing. So now I'm driving for to Providence who, and you know, everybody's doing the same thing. So the, the Providence is, there's no clipboards. Isn't there out of legal paper? You know, it's all this other stuff like that. We get back and the guy literally flips through them. And he goes, yeah, these look fine. <laughs> and so then uh, <laughs> we had the task of then distributing all of these uh, signature uh, things to everybody, who, all of our volunteers who were going to be getting signatures, which was a, a task in of itself. Uh, so when you add that in, that's that's a day basically right there that you lost. So you're down to eight days then. Um, Sean, why don't you tell them a, a little bit about uh, how we have to turn in these signatures and how you kind of lose a little a few days on the back end too. Yeah, so not only do we have to deprive Rhode Island of any economic value because we have to take time off of work right, <laughs> to do this, um, it's, it's quite the arduous uh, event to go and travel to all, how many towns is 39 these 39. days? 39 <laughs> towns here in Rhode Island. And when, when you collect the signatures, something I didn't know before I actually did it, 
was that you have to have a separate page for every town. So not only do you have to collect on these sheets a thousand signatures, but you have to have a different sheet for every town. And then if the, you know, and I think we'll get into this in a little bit, but once you, if someone signs the wrong sheet or something like that, it turns into a, a little bit of a nightmare. So I, I remember, I think it was the final day and uh, running, and we had, we had to split up the towns. There was just way too much, even though Rhode Island is such a tiny state, we were right when the, when the first, uh, first office opened, dropping off signatures and just just riding nonstop. Yeah, I, I did two days. It was pretty nuts. It was uh, when I think I visited at least eighty percent of the 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 city and town halls. Um, Sean and I had mapped up out a route. Uh, it, it was like this weird like horseshoe route, and we like met up in the middle in Foster somehow yeah. <laughs> midday and like handed off sheets because we were picking them up all throughout the day yeah. and everything like that. And it was it was a ride, man. I I, I, I was down some back. Uh, dirt road in Foster, thinking that I was going to be like losing a tire and stuff like that. My, <laughs> my clutch was overheating. I, I was cruising. I, I left Middletown. We had to get everything in by four o'clock. And I'm I'm cruising. It's like rush hour. It's you know it's Friday. It's like you know f- like three thirty in the afternoon. And I'm cruising through Aquinnick Island, trying to get from Middletown to Tiverton because I had three sheets left that I needed to turn in and I'm cruising over this Connaught River Bridge flying taking off the exit and I pull into the parking lot and it's 402 I see all the town workers walking out the front door and I'm walking in the front and I had the papers in my hand I go am I too late and they go yeah you're too late and I said oh crap and it's you know it just it it, it, it was just such a feat that you know it's you look back on it and you say to yourself you know how is how are you expected to do this? Yeah. Uh, You're not. I, I think that's the point, right? Like, like, that is yeah. the point. <laughs> exactly. It's it's overly burdensome, burdensome. In fact, it's so burdensome that you guys actually forgot a big portion of it, right? All of the papers, the individual papers, need to be notarized. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. That's a, that's a bigger issue. I remember showing up to a couple spots, and they are like, oh, like, we went through, and we tried to get everything notarized, and then, like, one sheet would, like, be missing the stamp, but the notary had filled everything else out, right? Yeah. So, you know, little situations like that. You know, another point to there is, like, there's so much focus on just the... The, I guess the non-value add uh, uh, portion of that because the state, you know, verifies every signature, right? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what's the notary doing at that point? But on on top of that, we spent like the last two days not collecting signatures. So out of that nine day period, we yep. lost the first day, and on the back end, we're just struggling to get to the different volunteers, picking up sheets. Who's got Coventry? Who's got mm-hmm. Foster? Who? Yep. Oh, can we even get up to you know North Smithfield in, in oh, time? Charleston signatures? No way, they yeah, weren't getting yeah. turned Sorry, in. No way, that wasn't happening. I had to decide whether or not. I was going to go to Hopkinton, and, and that was the decision. I think it was either I, I was a, I was over heading towards Hopkinton, thinking, trying to calculate how many stops I could make. I had uh, South Kingston, I had Narragansett, I had Jamestown, I had Middletown. Am I going to be able to get to Tiverton by four o'clock? I was like, and I was, I have seven signatures here in Tiverton. I got like eight because I had already dropped a bunch off at Hopkinton the day before, and I'm like trying to make a decision which where I'm going to go. And it was it was wild, man. Yeah. It was it, it was it was not something that um, without a larger organization. And again, it's 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 the whole entire exercise is a chicken and the egg type situation. Like, you know, in order to be a, a recognized political party, you need to have an organization that can pull something like this off. But in order to get the funding and to operate within the con- the sides of the laws of the campaign elections and all this other stuff like that, you y- you need to go through this process. So, how are you supposed to? become a political organization hang on you're telling me mckee didn't go to all 39 towns to turn in his signatures no that's that's the thing though is once you once you become a recognized party in the state um realistically 
the the chairman of each recognized party, we only have two in the state right now, um, has the ability to appoint people to run for specific rep seats. So if somebody failed to get enough signatures in a certain district or, you know, uh, a governor candidate like it was medically, um, you know, uh, unable to run like happened at the with the moderate party where they appointed Bob Healy to, to run in his place because they were a recognized party at the, at the time. Um they have the ability to appoint people, but it's really a, it's a it's a fait accompli because what happens is is that if you understand how the the ballot petitioning works, is that each of the uh, town committees and city committees uh, that are part of the uh, each the Republicans and the Democrats, and obviously the Democrats have a higher number of local committees than the Republicans do, uh, but they have the responsibility of uh, you know a. a endorsing different candidates so when they endorse their candidates they report that to the secretary of state so the town of bristol has the democratic committee they endorse their slate of candidates all the way from governor all the way down to town council now when they get their sheets it has all of those candidates on one sheet so one signature on that sheet signs for everybody, everybody up the line they don't have to nominate someone for governor so they would just be blank but I they all do that. They don't have to like, and it happens sometimes. And some of the in this, and so what ends up happening is is that the the popular candidates. So James Deosis was a big deal why he was the nominee at the state convention for the Democrats, which meant that he was going to be on all the sheets. He didn't have to worry about as much about getting signatures because you can still get your own individual signatures and get your own, but it doesn't happen. Um, but uh, the J- Stefan Pryor, on the other hand, was the not endorsed candidate. He had to go out and get signatures himself. Now, one of the things that's also a big waste of taxpayer dollars is that these town clerks, um, I-, I mean, how many people are notaries? I went and complained to the secretary of state who's in charge of doing notaries. And I'm like, you know, I go, nobody's a notary anymore. Like, well, how are we supposed to get these notarized? And she quipped this lady behind the counter. There's like, 2,000 whatever, you know, notaries in the state of Rhode Island. I go, yeah. And how many of those work for the state? And she just looks at me and I go, yeah, exactly. Because every single uh, board of canvassers, town clerk's office, everything like that, they're all notaries because it's part of their job. It's, it's, a, it's a requirement. Uh, so luckily, I have a good relationship with my town hall because I run for office a bunch of times. I, I know them down there. And I was able to get a lot of my stuff notarized. And they were telling me uh, that uh, somebody in my district was also working on the Stefan Pryor campaign and was bringing a bunch of their signatures in to get uh, notarized. And if you look him up, you can see how many signatures everybody got. He needed to get 500. He barely got over 500 uh, signatures. So here's a big profile, probably the, one of the highest profile races right now in the state. And you have the, the, the candidate who is arguably favored to win. I don't know what the polling is actually saying. I'd have to look it up. Um, but... Um, he is. Uh, he barely got over the required signatures to get on the ballot. So it's not something that's an issue uh, solely affecting us as the Libertarian Party. Is, is what it is. Yeah. So it, it's interesting. My wife. I, actually, you had called me up. My wife was a notary, but yeah. and it was because of the Libertarian Party. She was helping with ballots. I don't know, seven, eight years ago, <laughs> I guess. But um, she just let it expire. Because there's a cost to it. It's not well, free. It's a co- and it's a pain in the butt. You can maintain all that stuff, and you know, it's just one of those things. Life. You know, you have priorities, right? Yeah. yeah. And that's not high on the list. It, it expires and you go on. But then, you know. So, like you're saying, I didn't realize the, the ballot, um, the uh, group ballot, if you will, I yeah. guess for lack of a better term, it was was a thing. I'd, all the years, I just, I didn't, I hadn't, that hadn't clicked with me. And uh, that's interesting. That's that's a huge 
It's a huge advantage. A huge advantage. Yeah. And that's why the machine stays strong, right? Because they're able to take the endorsed candidates and they're yeah. all kind of on that slate together. Then you've got kind of either, you know, you've got the independents and then so, the outliers, even even the Dems this time. They had a bunch of people that just weren't on that list of people. Yes. Wait, wait, wait a second, guys. Are you telling me that the people who make the rules set them in a way where they get an unfair advantage. <laughs> so this is, this, this is, is weird. That sounds fishy. I, I don't know. I'm it, not buying it. It's not like, um, this is something we call like regulatory capture, I think is the term for something yeah, like that. Yeah, is that, is that really the, what we're talking about here? Cause that's exactly yeah. what it is. And then, and when you really think about it, both the democratic and the Republican parties are two private corporations really. So, um, but, but anyway, so, uh, you know, just to, 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 to wrap up the, the, the story here, uh, we, we turned in the signatures. Uh, we probably collected well over 1,300 signatures. We probably turned in just under 1,300 signatures. It's Again, these numbers are, are they, we, we still don't have final numbers, you know, when you actually start, you know, thinking about gross and stuff like that, about what we had. Uh, but we turned in uh, about 1,300 signatures just under. And uh, they basically rejected one out of every four signatures. When you actually come down to it, we had about a twenty-five percent rejection rate, and uh, and we missed the cut by about fifty signatures, give or take. Again, there's these at least all, that's what they said at the time. That's what they said at the time. Yeah. Um, so now, again, this starts the entire process of like you have. It was like twenty-four hours after the time that you turned in to the, the, you know, the close the end of business for the Secretary of State. So 24 hours after the close of business on Thursday when they were due till Friday uh, when you had to go in, you had to go in and uh, file a complaint about the sufficiency of your signatures. And you don't have copies of the petitions anymore. Uh, we were turning in the thing in the signatures trying to get because what you do is you turn them in and it gets time stamped. And then the board of canvassers review it. So when it gets timestamped, you want to get a copy of that timestamp so that you have proof that you turned in that signature. Well, some cities and towns are great. And I, I don't want to blanket everybody because, again, there is some great cities and towns. My, my, Warren is fantastic. I, they, they, I can't speak highly enough of them. They, they, they were immensely helpful. Um, it, Bristol, Bristol was Bristol our, is very helpful to us, yeah. Yep, the people in uh, Portsmouth were extremely helpful. The people, i, I, I got to say, the people in Milltown were very helpful, too. Um, Jamestown, South Kingston, you know, all the way down uh, down the way. Hopkinton was very nice. You know, there's there's a lot of extra. I, I'm thinking this back to some of them. Um and then some of them were not very nice at all. Um, I don't know what, which, well, ones, which ones do you have problems with, so, Elijah? Like I didn't have any problems with anybody. But what I want to point out is like a lot of times when libertarians complain about how things run, people take it like personally. Like, oh well, my mom works at the board yeah. of canvassers. You know mm -hmm. how hard. Yes, I know how hard her job is because there's no reason for her to have to like notarize. What, what did we have? 189 sheets or oh, something? Yeah. Why are we having somebody? <laughs> half of those sheets had like three signatures on them. Like, why are why are we forcing our our state employees to waste their time and energy on these kinds of shenanigans just to keep the third largest party in the United States off the ballot? It's yeah. ludicrous. And just to pick up on that point, because we didn't really talk about that. Why is there only one or two signatures on each sheet? Because that's the thing that everybody says, well, you could get, well, you got, there's what, 25 on the front and like 32 on the back. And then there's all the notarations in there, like a quarter inch thing. So you can get a bunch of signatures on a page, but why don't you fill up an entire page? Yeah, because you have to hand it in to each individual town, right? So, so, <laughs> so you're at a public place. Like, even if you're like, we did a lot of market basket, yeah. right? Yep. Like, Shout out to would, market basket. Yeah, yeah right. Market basket really Fantastic. killed it. Um, so, like, you'll 
you'll think that if you're in Market Basket and Bald Hill Road, most of the people will be from Warwick. But then, like, you randomly get people that are, like, registered to vote in Narragansett or, like, yeah. random places. So you get these ones and twos on these papers, and then somebody else who's doing it in Johnston, right, because their name's on it. They have to get it separately notarized. Yep. Like, so you, and, so that's why the crazy. 300 pages is complete BS, right? Because <laughs> every single volunteer is, like— Almost get, have to have 39 sheets yeah, yeah, exactly. to cover just—, just in case it's not right? that it's not that bad but i mean and it's it's almost that bad it's, but as it's you at know, least 10 every signature counts yeah right? like exactly that, I mean, it, it's so so hugely important uh, the other thing I'm, I'm thinking of is we're talking about this the notary like what's the purpose of the notary to begin with like they're not witnessing the people sign the sheet they're just what, what are they they're just like, witnessing me signing the you sheet signing it I, to turn it in them, like, you know yeah. it doesn't make sense well, so the, so the only and this is the thing that the, this is the thing that I still don't understand and the, and I'll bring this up just because it's newsworthy and it's we didn't break the story we had nothing to do with it but there's another candidate uh, Zachary something uh, he's an independent candidate he's 18 years old um, and he's it's Hurwitz or something like that yeah and he turned in about 1400 signatures he's he said and he ended up getting enough uh, off the bat uh, validated and put in. But there, a story came up where yeah. two of his volunteers are arrested oh, in Jamestown that. for turning in forged signatures. And I'm sitting there saying to myself, what the hell is that about? Because, you know, again, I, I don't like the, the signature process is is chaotic when you're doing it you go to signature parties and you like leave your clipboard out on the picnic table and you're talking to people and you're signing other people's oh you sign mine i'll sign yours or like hey give him give me your sheet i'll go bring it over here and, and bring it to whatever and and like you're in the presence of people they're in the thing but you got stuff going on so you don't know what's on your your, your sheet and you have given your best effort to, to to do it and you've been in presence of it but again you have no idea the fact that they're getting uh, arrested for for forgeries means that there's something really significant that's going on that's going there because i'll even have someone like you know uh, an elderly person who doesn't write very well their uh, niece or nephew or spouse or whoever's with them will sign the form it will not sign the form they'll fill out the address and the name and then have the individual sign the form because they can't write that well. And so you have these double lines where two people, and these were conversations they were having when they were uh, evaluating the signatures at the board yeah. of elections with us, saying like, oh, well, and some of the board members said, well, yes, if somebody has does a disability or can't write very well, someone very well could fill it out for them. They, maybe they didn't have their glasses or, or whatever reason. And then other people were saying, no, that's showing intent that someone was trying to manipulate the system or something like that. And, and again... The whole entire system, this happens all the time. This is why signatures get rejected. This is why there's a rejection rate. And there's these two teenagers who there has to be something significant there for the Jamestown police to go get a warrant. And these kids got mug shots. And imagine being 18 years old, like just because your, your, your buddy wants to be Instagram famous over here and, and get out and run for governor. Uh, he's out, he's out climbing Mount Kilimanjaro or something like that and couldn't be reached for comment during this whole, like his father was answering his, like, his press release. But these two kids got their mug shots on the thing and they turned in paperwork. And like literally, like that goes into, that's, now in question but because we're outside that 24-hour window where you have the ability to challenge it we can't even challenge it and all those signatures even though there's evidence that there could possibly be forgeries any ones that were accepted are now assumed and presumed to be valid 
unquestionably. So even if you found a, a, a further forgery, even if you found an entire page of signatures that would then make him miss the cut, we're already out of the 24-hour window. So again, the whole entire system is completely, it's, it's, it's unbelievably difficult to maintain and follow the rules and, 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 and be within the, the guidelines of I would like to on. point out that the whole time I was collecting signatures, I followed all the state laws to a T. <laughs> So you should vote for Gizzarelli for governor. I agree. He follows the laws. That's and you know what? And the reason I never break laws. And, ever. And, and the reason why we the reason why that we can even talk about this is because we turned in all of our signatures and we had them gone through with a fine tooth comb by the board of elections because we went through all of the rejected signatures. And again, there was over like three hundred and fifty. I think we showed up prepared and they weren't yeah. even ready to talk to us about it. We had to keep coming back and coming back. Well, we went to the first uh, uh, hearing and uh, we had initiated we had submitted the complaint. And they basically, first of all, they questioned whether or not uh, I had standing to bring the challenge in front of the Board of Elections. What's the role of the Board of Elections to ensure, like, fair elections? Ad administer elections and yeah. everything like that. So, um, excuse me, as, as chairman of the Libertarian Party, if you read the, 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 the laws and, you know, everything that are relating to this whole entire process, the chairman of the party uh, has the ability to bring a claim against the Board of Elections, uh, you know, challenging this type of thing. Uh, one of the board members really started grilling me, and again, this is the chicken and the egg type situation, where he starts asking me, well, if you guys aren't a recognized party, uh, then how can you be the chairman, and how can you have standing to bring the claim against the, to the Board of Elections? And here I'm saying, well, we're a recognized nonprofit in the state. We're a recognized political action committee. Both are in good standing with the Board of Elections and the Secretary of State's office, and we are following all the rules to become a political party. We need to run a governor candidate and the prerequisite is to get these signatures <laughs> and it, we you guys rejected them and now you're saying that I, we're not a political party so i can't bring a claim like what or a challenge against this like what the hell is that about that's just unbelievable so what i would like to point out too is like i think that the the members of the board of elections i think they gave us a pretty fair shake they did um, they i did. was i was actually surprised by how fair it was I question some of their judgments. I question some of their mentalities. It seemed like some of them were a little bit like self-important and they were just trying to make thing like a process well, where they felt like they could definitely qualified as handwriting yeah. analysis. Well, to, yeah. well, to, well hold on. To, to that point though, I mean the yeah. first interaction was not, I did not have that same feeling after leaving the first oh, hearing. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. I did not. And, and, and you know, rough. these hearings, Again, they're uh, Wednesday, Thursday, in the, like like two or three o'clock. Yeah, it was like three o'clock, four o'clock in the afternoon, or like ridiculous times. And then they go there and they immediately go into executive session. You're sitting there twiddling your thumbs for twenty, thirty minutes, waiting for them to come back in. And then they got they push you down the agenda, so you're just like waiting for hours to like just to even have them hear you. And then they basically give us a song and dance, and then say, "Well, we're not ready to review their signatures yet, so you're gonna have to come back for another hearing." And yeah. Uh, and I just want to point out how classist those times are. Yeah. Right? It's like if you are working class, you cannot get on the ballot. Exactly. Because we're going to first off, you have to take a whole week out of work in order to get enough signatures to get on the ballot. Ask volunteers to take time off of work. Yeah. Because otherwise you have two days yeah, the weekend, on the yeah. weekend. And right? then and when are you going to turn in, hand out or, and or turn in the signatures? Turn in, yeah. yeah, you have to drive all the way around the state, like going to every single town. Some towns take forever to process even a couple of pages. And yeah. then it's like, then in order to appeal this ridiculous decision that over 25% of the signatures we turned in were invalid, mm -hmm. 
you have to go to what four meetings yep. at two p.m. It's ridiculous. And then they started asking me if I was an attorney because then I'd be able to represent them. So I started asking the question, well, is it a prerequisite to form a political party here in the state of Rhode Island to be able to afford to hire the services of an attorney? Because quite frankly, these hearings, again, were multiple hours long, three, four, five, six hours long. You're paying an attorney that whole entire time. You know how much those legal costs mm -hmm. add up to? Like we literally, in order just to get our name or our candidate on the ballot, we need to hire an attorney and fight this like it was the most asinine again so i think hindsight 2020 and i think to be honest with you i think we were prepared um the first remember the first uh hearing the the board member confused uh paul rihanna as being a libertarian uh and again all the best to paul and stuff like that you know i've you know he's, he's obviously a competitor in the race and we're going to beat him so that's not anything that's really here nor there uh but uh but again that's the the thing is that uh in comparison to the other candidates that were there challenging uh, their signatures, uh, we were there, we were prepared, we were professional, we were courteous, even though we want to completely destroy the entire system and, and, and burn them to the ground. Yeah. We'll play nice, we'll, we'll play the game, we'll be polite, we'll, we'll do everything that you asked us to do, we'll cross all our T's and dot all our I's and do everything we did. And so when they saw that, uh, we went through the first round of signatures and quite frankly, I think they saw the momentum was there. I think they saw that we had done the work, we had gotten good signatures. And, and I mean, they used your work as the basis for yeah. determining everything from the next steps. They weren't really willing to like go through and be like, we're going to do a complete and thorough review of everything. No, they, they took your spreadsheet and then and, added columns to it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, one break. Those, so I think that set the, the, the you know, the, the tempo for everybody else. Well, there, that, right? they had the audacity. So first of all, we showed up at the first hearing and there was other people challenging and they had prepared slides for all of these other candidates with the signatures that they had rejected and all all the comparisons and they'd done all the work and they found additional signatures and blah 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 and it was all like a dog and pony show because it always like was the game show where we, we rejected these many signatures we found these many for you to review and these many that we additionally found but even if you accept all of them they're still not going to have enough signatures so you lose like move on to the next one yeah and so they didn't even have that prepared for us so after the first uh, hearing i reached out to the guy and I'm saying like, oh, are you going to do another analysis for our, you know, 350 signatures or whatever? And he goes, well, why don't you send me the ones that you're challenging? Yeah. <laughs> I said, no, fuck you, man. I said, <laughs> I go, why don't you send me the list that you're working on? Because like, like, so you're not going to do a thorough look at everything because I, I sent you the, the list. Not to mention that, I mean, literally... I wish we had a soundbite of him just being like, but that's a lot of signatures. Dude, it was. Yeah, who, do you, who do you think did it? I was like, what the hell? I'm going through these, finding, like, going through the voters' lists. They have paid staff that does nothing yeah, but state that. State employees. I, I Again, again, I'm self-employed. Like, what the hell, man? Like, again, this is the stuff that, like, I, and again, in the, in the middle of all this, I also had a kid, too. So, I mean, Jesus. Like, this, this is something that, um, you know, shouldn't... Uh, let's talk about that for a second. Yeah, in between the second and the third hearing, uh, my, it was my wife's due date with my second child. So, it's like I couldn't make the third hearing. So, like, okay, great. We were going to lose the appeal because I had a, a, an infant son at home. Like, that does, that's not fair. Uh, the secretary uh, and the uh, community communications director uh, for the Libertarian Party of Rhode Island would be a key role in terms of, uh, you know, helping getting the word out and getting volunteers. She got married that weekend that we were getting signatures. Uh, two of our great volunteers, Tom and Terry, oh my God, they, they are troopers. Uh, you know, yep. uh, again, 
they they were out in the sun all, all on uh, on the first on the whole weekend. Uh, they got signatures. They were standing in front of Market Basket again, killing it, getting the signatures. Uh, they were complete autonomous. They had their signatures. They were driving around from cities and towns themselves on that Monday. And when you know a freaking pickup truck rear ends them and totals their car, like thank God that they were okay. Yeah. But two of our great volunteers are now sidelined. Uh, they're not you know elderly by any means, but they're older. I don't uh, I don't think Tom drives. I think uh, Terry drives them around. So that so her car is busted and, and and now we now we're down two good volunteers that could have helped us deliver some signatures get notarized you know all this other stuff so and it came down to every signature it did right and it was during a heat wave yeah it was yeah 90 degrees outside right, yeah. it was crazy hot it, it, so, it was crazy so anyway we we turned in our signatures we we we, we challenged them uh they one of the thing that i will point out because you know we could talk about war stories about this and i'm, I'm sure we we will at some point uh you know and and you know, re rehashing this whole entire thing. Uh, but one other thing I want to point out is that uh, when you are, and I, I promise I'll shut up and let somebody talk after this because this is <laughs> basically my involvement of this. Uh, but anyway, uh, they were comparing signatures uh, that were on. So again, you have a ballot access petition. So people are sweating and running in and you're like asking them, hey, will you sign this? And they're like, get the hell away from me. And you're like, okay. And um, But the, you, you finally convince someone to sign it. And they get to sign in this quarter inch line with a pen that's not working very well. And they sign and now they're going to compare it to the signature that they have on file. Well, it's 2022. When is an individual most likely to update their voter registration? When they move. When they move. Yeah. And when you move, what do you update? You know, so if you move your to driver's Rhode, license. your driver's license. Yeah. So when you go to the DMV, that's a natural touch point for you to say, hey, you move into a new location. You want to update your address on your ad, on your ID. You also want to update your address on, to register to vote. Sure. Okay. We just got to fill out this form. Sign that pad where you sign for your license. Those now, things are a mess. I don't know if pull out your license and look at your freaking signature and compare it to what your signature looks like on a piece of paper. Yeah. That's the signature that they're comparing for, yeah. for the thing. You could literally see on the signature pads like <laughs> pixel by pixel the gaps and, yeah, yeah. and all this nonsense. And, the pens and, are horrible. And you're saying to yourself, I'm going to myself, are you literally doing it? And so then we're so it got so bad that they the signatures they rejected in the second meeting, they actually went back and got um, old voter cards and then re ones that were handwritten from like mm. previous times they had registered and like a bunch of times they were arguing about the signatures they're like yeah the signatures look a little bit different but look at how they wrote the address like the handwriting is exactly the same like you know maybe people's signatures change a little bit over time and like you know whatever like yeah. and, and, and again, also we're, we're working with signature samples from the secretary of state's office so it's like <laughs> Who says that, that those are the only samples out there? Like exactly. They're just like, well, look at this sample and look at the, what they did. And it's like, yeah, where is that sample from? Like, so the beginning, we have no idea. So the beginning of the second uh, hearing, I go, I, I go, before we get started, I go, can everybody on the board give me some, uh, and some information about what your expertise is in handwriting and like, you know, what, like, you know, what, what abilities you, you've he had. He asked genuine question about like, hey, have you guys received any formal training <laughs> yes, or anything? Because they are on the board. It's an appointed, it's a paid position. It's, you know, maybe they, they provide the board of elections. I know the, the board of elections director got, uh, leadership training back in the day. That was a big story. I, uh, I can't even remember the details of that. Anyway, um, but I, maybe they have. I don't know. And so they all look at me and they start laughing like, ho, 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 like what a question. Like, no. And like they basically said, you know, no, well, we've done this a lot. And I'm like, 
Well, so what? You've done it a lot. How do we know what your success rate is? Who's going back and checking what you guys validated and invalidated versus an actual signature and finding out? What, just because you guys have done it a lot doesn't mean that you are doing it right a lot. Right. It's it's unbelievable. And it, just to paint the picture, it's literally uh, people sitting in kind of like a rounded off table, squinting their eyes at a TV that's like on the other side of them being like, well, you know, that swoosh uh, matches that J right there. So yeah. that must be them. Yeah, like that, That's the limits. The other thing I, I, I want to, to caution everybody is like if you've ever signed anything related to the state they have a record of it so i'm just curious they started pulling all these databases well, we have this and we have this i'm thinking in my head i'm like what else do they have what else do they have <laughs> right exactly. yeah. yeah so so anyway so long story short after three arduous hearings we in a month of wasted time and it could have been campaigning, campaigning, yeah. raising money. Every because like, I mean, why are we going to waste our time if we're not going to be on the ballot? Like we have limited resources as a party anyway. Yeah. Um, we, we we finally got uh, was it at one thousand and fifteen? Is they finally uh, validated something like that? I think so, the site now says one thousand and eight, which oh. is not what we had. No, exactly. So, I don't and know through what this whole process, the website, our count, the counts they talked to never, never matched. matched. Oh, they, yeah. they they they, were, they literally commingled sheets. So. So we got uh, Helena Bonanno folk sheets uh, sent over with our first batch of uh, PDF copies because they apparently like think about this process right for one second. You hand in the sheets and they're notarized and they get time stamped and then it sits in a pile in the town clerk's office. Now again, nothing wrong with the town clerks, but it's like on an open desk in the middle of nowhere with people walking around. Like I don't know, it seems a little bit unsecure. And sure. then they got to bring it up to the board of elections. Now. They hire a third-party moving company, couriers, to bring ballots from each precinct back to the board elections. They're secured. They're, they're, they have to be certified. I'm sure it's an RFP. They're bonded. All this other, you know, everything like that. The, some random person that's assigned from the board of, uh, the board of canvassers drives it in their personal vehicle from the whatever board of canvassers up to the board of elections. They stop at Dunkin' Donuts or Cumbies and have the f forms fly out. Yeah. I don't know. Or they, they don't like libertarians or like, you know, or they don't yeah. like, you know, a Candace. So they crumple a few up and throw them in the garbage. Again, it's not that. I just got Dumb and Dumber visuals. Of <laughs> the, dogs, <laughs> the dogs in the back. Hey, foot long. Who got the foot long? <laughs> I'm not saying it happened. I'm just saying that, again, the, the security, you want a fair and secure election process. And the fact that it wasn't leads to people to be able to ask these questions and say it's not yeah. secure. And with all the stuff that's happening right now with the Board of Elections and the, the Spanish ballots uh, for the, you know, in, in the, the, the minority communities that they're always concerned about, like Providence, Woonsocket, Central Falls, Pawtucket. They were the ones that had the uh, Spanish ballots. They had the 2018 candidates on there. They mislabeled uh, the candidates what uh, or didn't label what districts they were running for and stuff like that. So, again, and again, Board of Elections, I don't I don't think the people doing it are they, they don't make the laws they just execute the laws oh that was apparent in, in our process here where they threw yeah. out most of your complaint right they exactly. said you know we wouldn't talk about most of the the thing that has to do with fair elections you know because you have to contact your state rep which yeah. is what i was told right and they told me again i, I didn't have standing to bring that type yeah. of complaint and i'm like what are you talking about again so so anyway um the whole entire process. Any the, registered voter has standing to bring up that complaint. Exactly. Because <laughs> you're being, where like, else are you supposed to bring it up? Yeah. yeah. Right? Well, that's that's the thing, right? Not the Board of Elections. <laughs> <laughs> so, long story short is, 
Thank God. We got Elijah. We got a real liberty. And guys, let me tell you this. We have been fits and starts with the Libertarian Party. Again, full disclosure, I'm the chairman of the party. Uh, we have Sean's the vice chairman. Uh, Mike's involved. Uh, Elijah's obviously a member. You know, we've been having fits and starts of trying to get a gubernatorial candidate on the ballot because that's the prerequisite. We need to get 5% of the vote in order to get our name on the ballot. And when we get our name on the ballot, uh, we I'm, I'm sorry, uh, to be recognized as a uh, recognized party in the state of Rhode Island. So let me paint that real quick. We have, you know, every four years, you have one opportunity, one opportunity, nine days to to get someone on the ballot to be able to form a a political party in the state. The Libertarian Party is the third largest party in in the entire country. It It just blows my mind that you know, they even if you like libertarians don't want to follow the process. Mm-hmm. We don't want to be involved in any of the government stuff, right? Yep. But you know, when when you try to do it, they 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 you know they they shackle you down in, in, in terms of it. So it's it's very very challenging to compel that type of action. Every you only get one shot every four years. It, they make it very very hard, and it's all by design. Yep. Yeah, right? yeah. Let, let's be honest. So uh, Elijah was and myself and uh, Pat Ford were the three delegates for Rhode Island to the National Convention in Reno. Uh, so Elijah had the uh, I don't know if it was the pleasure or the, uh, the the misfortune of sitting next to me for the the long weekend uh, and and I told him I said Elijah we need a candidate for governor and I, I said you know what if we don't find anybody would you do it and he said ah and, and you know what he didn't say no and that, and that was the biggest thing that I had going for me so uh, we came back to Rhode Island I, I told Sean all about it and uh, and the rest is history and and I, I think I, I don't know I, I, like I said Elijah he's he's the real deal he's not some person we're putting up just to get uh you know the the five percent because uh you know again as much as i love elijah nobody knows whenever we're getting signatures they're like I'm, we're getting elijah gizarelli on the ballot and they're like who and the, and i'm like i'm like i don't know i I'm like this is the whole entire point is that you know we shouldn't be forced to uh run a candidate on like like i said we are in it to win it obviously if we win the campaign we will do so much good for the state of rhode island i think uh with all the craziness that's going on in this campaign we have every uh, ability to do it but we need to get five percent in order to become a registered party so we can have individual candidates we can build our ground game and then in four years when it comes again we can run elijah again we can run another candidate we can run anybody and we will get maintain that four percent and on the off years we will also have the added benefit of having the presidential candidate uh, to also uh, allow us to get that 5% and maintain party status. So this is a very big deal. That That's key. If, if you get that 5% for the governor's race and you can start leapfrogging, right? So then if you get the presidential candidate, yeah. then there's less pressure, you know, and you have that advantage in the next election. So that that's, I think that's where the moderates fell flat was yeah. that yeah. they didn't have a national candidate that they can run in that fourth year if you will uh, i don't know how to word that but um yeah. to, to keep that leapfrog going and uh, so that's why it's critical um you know just to touch on so, that real quick you right. know that's something the democrats and republicans never have to worry about exactly yeah right it's 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 a part of the game that they can you know, like you said they have their whole slate of candidates and the w- one person from one campaign can go out and take that whole sheet and then you know try to get their person on the ballot they don't have to fight for you know all all the same things that you know anybody any other voice in rhode island is trying to do well think about the republican party Party in the state and how like 
com- it's it's nothing. It's it's completely. They could fight with each other in a phone booth, and it would, it would, it would yeah. you could do it. Uh, but the fact that they have every four years a presidential candidate, even if they lose Rhode Island, they're going to get over five percent. So they're going to maintain their party status. It's it's just a fait complete. So um, you know that's what we're trying to fight because we want to provide a viable alternative, and you know. Well, I think we'll take as many votes from, you know, it, statistically, I know when you look at the Healy campaign, everybody complained about the moderate party uh, causing Alan Fung to lose the election that year. He actually, excuse me, oh my God, uh, took more votes away from Democrats, uh, the Democratic Party than he did from Gina than he did from Alan Fung. So yeah. um, I think that it doesn't make a difference. You're not taking votes away from anyone. You're voting for well, the and, candidate and by that you the way, believe Gina in. Gina won like, what, 68 or something? And she had like 68%, right? Like. The second time she did. I think the first time it was closer, though. Oh, okay. I think it oh, was because yeah. it was it was within the margin. I mean, in because yeah, Bob, Bob had twenty one point something. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, it was a three. but every uh, single one of those votes would have went to the other guy. Well, right? that's what yeah. the that's what the that's what the complaint always is, right? And um, you know, it's your wasted vote. And we wrote this in our little article pr- with the press release about yeah. um, Elijah getting getting on the ballot was, you know, the the wasted vote uh, wasted vote myth, you know, and the reality is, the way the duopoly we'll call uh, have set up the system is you have to run a candidate to get that 5%. So they're forcing us to run a candidate in order to be a party. So it, uh, that's their fault. So the, you know, if you're going to complain about votes being shifted around or whatever, yeah. that's their fault. And the fact that your vote is not wasted because it's going towards that 5% as a part, you could make the argument potentially, and I don't believe this, but I'm, I'm saying somebody could is uh, as an independent candidate, because that independent candidate is not, Trying to establish a party. Exactly. Mike, you know? could, you pan, now, could you pan that camera on me real quick? I just want to say that you know, me yeah. as a as a libertarian here in Rhode Island, I would not be voting for the Democrat or the Republican. That's, so my vote would not have gone to them. Yes. Yeah. But, and and I want I want to point this out too. Is it's like I've heard my whole stint as libertarian, like I don't know, is it like twelve going on twelve years now, right? Where it's like they're like, Oh, don't waste your vote. Don't wait and it's like, I got news for you. All right. If you are a Republican living in a Democrat run state and you vote for Republican, you are wasting your vote. <laughs> Pretty much. Okay. <laughs> and and if you vote for the libertarian and you get a third option next time, some a real choice. A real choice. Yeah. Right. That's not wasting your vote. And it's not just... So voting for Callis is a wasted vote, okay? She is not going to win. She has no chance of winning governorship of this state. She has zero chance of winning the governorship, okay? If you don't want to waste your vote, we have to fight the two-party system. Yes. Vote third party. Vote libertarian. And that counts towards that 5%. Again, it's it's going towards a actual number that's that's required that they set and they make you they're it's forcing arbitrary. you into this into this um, qualification scheme that they've got so it actually counts towards something it, and again I don't want to say I, I said earlier I just want to clarify this that some people say the independent they could argue the independent I believe if you support that candidate you should vote for that candidate right vote like for the best candidate who Definitely. you want to vote for and or don't vote right like i i also my my thing has always been if you don't want to vote for anybody to at least cast the ballot so it counts like so they can see okay x amount of ballots cast 
But why was there no vote for the government? You know, why, why are we missing why was votes Mickey for the government? Now so popular. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't even. Yeah, I mean, I read in Noda is is what I do because I yeah. think if you get a number of write-ins, they actually start counting them after a certain threshold. But uh, anyway, that's a different story for a different time, I guess. But, uh, but it's not just having another choice for governor. Uh, it's about having another choice for all of the races right. too. This, this because, is bigger than that because that's yeah. the biggest thing. And as as someone who's run for local office as state representative, representative four times as a libertarian, it's not something you do. Because because you're getting a ton of resources from the party or anything like that. It's doing because you're running on principle and that because it's what you believe in. Uh, it makes it a lot easier when we have people that can register for Libertarian. Uh, it, when people are running for different precincts, I can't tell you how many people, there's a lot of Libertarians in Rhode Island. They don't all live in my district. So like, yeah. there's a lot of supporters in the state that would help me and would help me run my campaign, but they're not going to vote for me because they can't. They don't live in my district. So if you have the ability for people to register and run for uh, actually a big L, libertarian then you get entered into the, this is the other thing the lottery on the ballot uh, when they run the lottery on the ballot if you have multiple candidates uh, the first lottery they do is Republican and Democrat and when they run that lottery that's one and two on the ballot so if the Republicans come up first which I think it is this year the on the general election ballot or maybe they haven't done that yet I don't know I can't remember but anyway they when they run the the um, the the ballot lottery Democrats are always not one and two, and then all the other candidates are underneath that. If libertarians become a recognized party, it's very well that our candidates could be number one on the ballot. Right. And then, you know, someone going down and just checking off votes could very well vote for us and get votes that way. So, again, there's all sorts of things that work in our favor once we get over this, thre- this there are, threshold. There are huge advantages of just meet, meeting that threshold and becoming that party like we, we've talked about. You can register as a libertarian. There, Therefore, candidates can now pull their voter list when they go to start knocking on doors and they know who they the registered libertarians are in their district. Where can I put a sign? And they will know what their base yeah. is, right? Yeah. Like it's it's a huge right, exactly. It's a huge advantage that the Democrats and Republicans had be have because their base is identified yeah. by the voter list. Like they know exactly who their people are, their tribe, if you will. And the biggest voter affiliation in the state of Rhode Island is unaffiliated. Mm. But even that that just shows how much people don't like the Democrats and Republicans because otherwise you'd register at right. it. But yeah. even that doesn't uh dissuade these people because they actually you can see what primaries you vote in. So if yeah. you're a regular voter and you vote regularly in the Democratic or the Republican primary and then disaffiliate each time, yeah. there's a very good chance they can tell that, hey, this person is a conservative or they're a, a liberal, but they don't like the, the establishment. They always disaffiliate afterwards. They'll still target you for, you know, right. for, for advertising and, and, and mailers and every other thing. And, oh, yeah, because you can buy the yeah. voter record, right, from the Secretary of State? Yes, yeah, she has for yeah. sale. Yeah, and it's it's not expensive. <laughs> yeah. Or, or if you're running, if you're running for office, you get it for free. Yes, right. So right, but um, but to that point, and we've been at this for a while. We know that that's how they process their data. Like they they've they've got all this information, and yeah. that's how they that's why you get the things you get in your in your in your mailbox, and that's why you get the knocks on yeah, your can door. Can you pander me one more time, yeah. Ashley? P- please <laughs> stop sending me your mailers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah not, it's not going to happen. It's well, not going to work in my house. It's, it's really yeah. funny because, um, you know, I, I'm running for office a number of times. I've done a lot of research into this and I've read a bunch of books on running for office and everything like that. And it's funny that when they talk about traditional voting blocks in, uh, you know, races, you know, they, they talk about the Hispanic voting block or the, the women voting block and, you know, all these other things like that. The only reason why those are the demographics that they can identify is because those are the demographic 
demographics that they can pull out of the voter data that they have in individual states. And individual states have different restrictions on what information they can actually release. And you actually see the changes in strategies in voters or in, in campaigns based upon how much information they have on the individual voter themselves. So really, all these political, uh, you know, the duopoly, these these people, these groups that they're pitting against each other, the only reason why those groups are specifically chosen is because they can be identified at the voter data and then be specifically pitted against one another. Mm -hmm. So having a third option, like the Libertarian Party, lets people say, I don't want to be involved with that DS. We're going to go ahead and re yeah. register people as Libertarians. That's the, the, that basically means leave me the hell alone. Yeah. You, you know, if we have a Libertarian Party and you register as a Libertarian, I guarantee you're not going to get stops. any of those <laughs> yeah. mailers from any candidates anymore. That, so, should, that should be a slogan. No more junk mail. Yeah. Go vote Libertarian. Exactly. <laughs> so let's transition over to, to talking about, talk about yeah, talk like who, the we, who are we actually voting for? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's a uh, it's one it's one of those things where you know people hear libertarian they they hear some people think it's a librarian right you know but you know I, I'd like to kind of you know I'll talk to Elijah and then you know the guys here at the table but you know want to you want to get you know what you think about you know just your, your version of libertarianism um, you know what some of the the things that you're talking about relative to the campaign and you know uh, I think when was the last time we ran a governor as a libertarian 76, in Rhode Island? I think 1976 <laughs> so I think we got to catch up a little bit on on you know you know, the bicentennial. Yeah, <laughs> it was right after we it was right after we uh, formed as a party. Nineteen seventy four is when yeah. we formed as a party. Yeah, so it was, it was right after the the next election cycle. So you're the third choice uh, essentially here in Rhode Island. I'm so the that, first choice. He's the first choice. <laughs> oh, fair go. enough. I like that better. What? Yeah. Why? Why should let's start just at the basic? Because let's, let's yeah. just yeah, well, you are the first choice. But why should they vote for you? Anybody listening to this right now vote for you over the other two? independent candidates that are going to be on the ballot over the other two independent independents. let's not talk about the duopoly there's two other independents that are going to be paul rihanna went through a very similar process that we did i think that we laid out the roadmap for him and he benefited immensely by the fact that he got to go after us and see what the hell we did because mm -hmm. uh, he just basically followed our, our, our blueprint um but he again, he put in the work he got his signatures obviously yeah. he went through the same mm -hmm. process so he's on more people on the ballot the better absolutely but let's forget about the duopoly for a second there's two other independent candidates why are you a better choice than them well i'll start with paul rihanna mm -hmm. right um i appreciate everything he's done right like yeah, i appreciate his activism right mm -hmm. um like ending the lockdowns um ending this stupid mandate about healthcare workers is in it's insane right so i'm right what there i with can you, paul. gather <laughs> what i can gather from paul is that's his primary issue right yeah, like yeah. and i'm right there so if that's your issue He's not going to do anything more on that issue that I would do, mm -hmm. right? But what I add is I have the Libertarian Party's backing, right? And so if we actually, like, even if I don't win, right, we're going to be furthering the Libertarian Party's ballot access and all these other things, which will help have more, uh, help us have more fair elections in this state, right? A, a more equal process. Libertarians deserve a seat at the table. We are the third largest party in the country, right? Yeah. Um, and so it'll give you more options down the line. And the duopoly is really where a lot of the corruption is. Look, a lot of Republicans and Democrats are good people. Right, I, like they're not bad. There's part of a corrupt system. We we've and, talked very good about you know certain Democrats and Republicans. We give it to them when they're right. Uh, credit on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It, it, so it's not like it's just libertarians. We recognize the corruption in the system. We recognize how it is. Right, and so what happens is if 
if we are able to inject our voice into it, it kind of disrupts that system and it will hold Republicans and Democrats feet to the fire and make them better politicians themselves. Mm -hmm. Right. So everybody wins. If you're a Republican, you'll have better Republicans. If libertarians have a seat at the table, if you're a Democrat, you will have better Democrats. If libertarians have a seat at the table. Right. And Paul Rihanna, he's not building anything. No, and he's not going to win. He's a flash in the pan. It's exactly. what he is. It's, I mean, I, he, I, I, I'm, I, I think I wish him all the best again. I think he has a, gr- a great following, but I mean, how long can he keep it up himself? Yeah. I mean, he's got. I mean, like, just like he had the same problems getting to these board of elections hearings that we did. Um, you know, he has to work. He's mm-hmm. he's he's got to pay the bills and stuff like that. How long can he possibly keep this up all by himself? Even if with the great group of because he has great uh, group of volunteers. I met a bunch of them getting yeah. signatures and everything like that. Again, I have nothing but good things to say about Paul uh, and, and everything that he's doing. And again, I think he was in, it's so acutely affected by it. Um, you know, it's something that's so personal to them that, you know, I, 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 you can't fault them for running either. Like, I mean, this is what democracy is all about. Like you got something to say, you want a platform, you get enough people to help you get on the ballot. We can tell you how difficult that, that process is. He has every right to be on the ballot. And I think that, um, you know, if you believe in, in, in what he's, he's selling, I think you should vote for him. Like you said, don't waste your vote. But the same token, if you're looking to build something bigger in the state, because this is the blanket thing that the two other independent candidates don't have, they did not file the intent to form a political party paperwork required for their campaign. So even if they get 5% of the vote, even if they get 10% of the vote. It's done after that. Yeah, they got to yeah. wait another four years. Oh, Elijah, he gets 5% of the vote. He wins the election. You know, <laughs> wins the election. It's it's a it's a it's a, the day one. It's 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 a different state. It's yeah. it's it's, the, it's a better state. You know, I'll talk one more thing about the, what what I've gathered from the independent candidates and what I could say largely to everyone. There's only one candidate that isn't going to use the state against you. Yeah. Right. And that is the libertarian candidate. You know, I, I even you know you know Rihanna. I haven't heard too much from that Zachary guy, but even the Democrat and oh, the Republican. Have you read his press releases on his website? No. Might, no. I don't know why he's not running as a Democrat. He's yeah. just it's oh, really? yeah, oh my it's, god it's, he's weird. All yeah. right, so like. All right, so then Hurwitz or whatever his name is, great hair. Right? <laughs> okay. I think yeah. I might have better hair. <laughs> I was gonna say yeah. that's a toss up. I don't know. Great hair, <laughs> right? If you're voting on hair, I think I should still win. But you certainly beat Paul. Well, well you have a beard. You have the beard, <laughs> yeah, so you win with the beard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all right. So the thing with Hurwitz is, I feel like he's doing it as a publicity stunt. I mean, his only real uh, policy I've seen is he wants to make sure that every student has a free lunch. Yeah. Right. Which, Which is, they basically do anyway. Like. Yeah, well, like, first off, let's talk about school lunches right quick. <laughs> like, let's talk about it, right? Because, like, his his thing is, like, he, the way I've read his stuff, and again, I haven't spent a whole lot of time looking at his stuff, but the way I've read it is he just wants to increase the school lunch budget, right? So every kid gets free lunch. The school budget doesn't need to be increased. This is absolutely insane, right? Now, listen— I'm a big fan of school choice, you know, but we're not even going to go there. Let's just break down the Rhode Island budget for schools, right? I think that the average cost per student per year in Rhode Island is somewhere around $20,000. I think it's over $20,000 now, but we'll just say $20,000. We have old data. Let's pretend that the average classroom size is only twenty. I'm sure every teacher in Rhode Island would love if they had love that, 20 yeah. students in their class. I'm sure that there are plenty of classes where there are 32 students. If we just say 20, right, and this is a big deal, like I'm taking like 
30% off of what it probably is. With inflation. Yeah. Of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. That's $400,000 per classroom. Rhode Island pays its teachers one of the best in the country, right? Our, uh, the average teacher, I think, makes like $70,000 here in Rhode Island, right? Even though they, uh, Raimondo totally screwed up their pension With system, their sold it over to their her friends in New York. We've had plenty Ooh. of episodes about that specifically, yes, yeah. I'm a hot little potato about that, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about school lunches, okay? And so um, $400,000. $70,000 for the teacher, which should be Hang on a by second. far the largest expense. Now, I know the right? RICAS scores are really bad, and we've shown that Rhode Islanders are horrible at math <laughs> and reading, but something doesn't seem to add up there. Well, yeah, so, so just where like, is the other $330,000 going? And by the way, this is 33% probably less than what it really is, at least 20% less than what it really is. So where is this $400,000 going? Where is it? It's... It's administration. They, it's not going to maintenance. Yeah. It's yeah, not going to school administration improvement. Administration How many apart. administrators per classroom? Less than one. Well, less than one, <laughs> right? Or well, you'd hope so. Be. Those thirty-nine cities in town. How much so. does it cost to heat? If you gave every public school teacher four hundred thousand dollars and just said manage to teach these twenty kids, <laughs> they would be ecstatic. We would have the best education system in the country, yep. right? Yeah. They're not, not paying for the problem. building. They're not paying taxes on the building. It's a, it's a government yeah, it's building. No overhead. What, they're like, part of the. They're part, I can tell you for insurance that they're part of the JUA, I mean, uh, the uh, Rhode Island Interlocal Trust, which is a uh, uh, insurance program that the uh, the state gets to participate in. If you're a state uh, government or you know state a city or town, or if you're a school district or anything like that, you actually get insurance through a state-run insurance uh, company that does that. Uh, and they they also uh, run their own version of a workers' comp uh, thing for all state and employees which it runs it oh my god like the, the loss ratio and people out on workers comp claims on that is like unbelievable and then the, the whole idea that in, in the scary part is is that um you know a lot of the state uh because you're talking about the law of large numbers and you're talking about large like how many school buildings do they have you know how much would it cost to insure those all to the full value a lot of the property in the state of rhode island is not insured so again so like any other uh you know business that would run a business you wouldn't have an uninsured business when you're running for uh, you know but the state gets to side skirt any other don't pay taxes don't pay insurance don't pay all this stuff and, and now it's the, absolutely yeah. a ridiculous system so it's like yeah you want to give kids a free lunch give them free lunch but it should come from the budget that's already there. And yeah. we need to figure something else out. Where is all this money going? Well, that's the other thing about the free lunch. Let's just pause on that for a second, too. That free lunch money is going to private vendors that have RFPs. Again, this is the regulatory capture. In order to be able to be to uh, respond to an RFP for the state to provide free lunches to the students, you need to have certain requirements. They make sure all their vendors have the insurance requirements, make sure that they are all with good standing with the taxpayer. They have to go in through the uh, state portal. There's a MSA fee, which we've talked about before, which is a, I feel what it is now, it's like a 2% charge yeah. on every single state contract. So whatever state contract you have, add 2% to it, that 
that goes for a technology fee for these people to be able to log on to the portal in order to bid on these projects and stuff like that. So these are all added costs that are going to it. So it's not like a free market of all these vendors that are coming to provide healthy food options and stuff like that. There's like Cisco and like Airmark and like these huge conglomerate corporations that have lobbyists that are, uh, you know, affecting the legislation mm -hmm. and the, the thing to in order to have them be the, the, the sole supplier of all these things. And then when you get different districts like Pawtucket, Central Falls, Providence, once you re reach a certain poverty rate, you don't even have to show that you're a student. They just literally call up Subway because that's another big vendor. And they get a bunch of Subway sandwiches in the summer because kids don't eat in the summer because they don't have the school to go to eat, which is a tragedy in and of itself. But they literally just show up in a parking lot and anybody... You don't have to show an ID, you know, and I mean, God, God bless me, you're feeding kids. So like, you know, but you're taking the responsibility away from the parents with, to feed your damn children. And like you, or you the live, community, yeah. just bit people in general out of charity. Yeah. And, and you yeah. say, you know, obviously you don't want to take food yeah. out of kids. But again, this, this idea that everybody, every child, they, they do have a lunch. You can literally show up on any day of the week at a designated spot with no ID, no nothing, anything, and get a freaking bag full of uh, a Subway sandwich and a bag of chips or something like that and a Sprite probably and, and, and head back and, you know, add to the obesity crisis here in this, in this country. So Yeah, and, and that, that's my big issue where it's like, it's like, look, I've received free lunch when I was a kid. Like, my, my family, we were poor. I, I'm a middle child of seven, right, yeah. to a single mother, right? We were poor. We were real poor, <laughs> right? Yeah. And then we got Section 8 housing in Western Cranston. So, like, <laughs> yeah. everybody I went to school with had way more money than me, right? So I had free lunch, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. you know, and so it's like, it's like, well, one, having the whole free lunch program, it's kind of embarrassing, you know? Like, mm. you're with, like, all these rich kids, and then you got to, like, give them a token, right? And then, like, the lunch lady would always, like, yell at you about not getting your token in the morning. Yeah. Like, and make, like, a big scene in front of everybody. Like, it's uh, humiliating, right? And so it's like, um, it's like, look, it's like, yeah, if you have a public school, I honestly, I think lunch could be part of it. Like, you could opt in at the beginning of the year or not, right? Like, but it's like, it's like, come on, guys. Like, all this money, like, the Democrats and the Republicans who have been running these school districts, right, are wasting this money. There's $330,000 per classroom unaccounted for, right? Like, where is that money And the best going? that we can do is sun butter sandwiches? Yeah, yeah exactly. And, it's like, and then they try to tell you, like, oh, well, schools have to get by on $2 a meal. It's like, why? Why, exactly. Why? But see, but, but, <laughs> and, and, and everything you're saying is 100% is spot on. I agree with it 100%. But this is the thing that bothers me, though, is that, like, how much control are we giving over to the government to raise our children? It's like a cradle the grave type situation. Like you should have some say in what your child eats every single day. Like, I mean, you know, I, I again, as, as, great as they want to tell you they're going to have like hey uh, this is the well-balanced meal and they send their like i remember when i was a kid we used to get the calendars with what was on for on the menu and stuff like that and these are all the food groups and everything like yeah, that i remember those. but i mean remember what your actual school lunch was it was like this cardboard pizza and like chicken nuggets and like just like yeah. like hamburger or chicken uh yeah. salisbury steak yeah it, it was it was garbage like, <laughs> you like have, salisbury steak. <laughs> i mean if you have no other option and, and like i said like i don't want to by any means say like dude kids they're not they are not autonomous they they're not they, they whatever choices their parents make they should not suffer and if they need food like give them food like god like, like by all means but anybody that has the means to like you should want to 
to to make sure you have some involvement, just like you'd be, be involved with your your child's uh, classroom and teacher to make sure you know what they're learning. You yeah. want to know what they're eating too. I mean, it's it's just something that I don't I don't feel comfortable with with assigning that over to the government blanket. That's just and, my and opinion. I, I totally know. agree with you. Like, look, like there's kind of like uh, there's like levels, right? Yeah. Like where it's like it's like yes, I agree with you. Like I think one, I think public education in general is kind of it. First off, public education is the experiment, right? For yeah, thousands of years, yeah. right? Like 100%. we just taught our own children, and then like seventy years. Well, now it's like ninety years ago. People were like, "Let's start sending kids to public schools," and then they never changed it. Yeah, well, the whole the whole Prussian model, <laughs> yeah, right? Crank out soldiers and factory workers. Yeah, you know? yeah, and, yeah, and, and like yeah. we can talk about how like I mean, you know bells and yeah, all this yeah, other yeah, stuff yeah. is ridiculous right. way to condition children, but like it's like. We don't even have to go that far, though, right? It's just like even if you're saying the school system that we currently have is is how we should run it. Like you're a big fan of public schools. You have to acknowledge that under Democrats and Republicans, they are being run into the ground. They are malnourishing your children, right, (laughs) and paying their friends. Right, uh, it's I will absolutely say at the expense insane. of your children. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, think so here's the, think about the formula crisis real quick because we talked about this last yeah. podcast. But there's literally high fructose corn syrup in domestic U.S. produced uh, baby formula. Why? Because of the damn corn lobby. That's why, and the, and like seriously, yeah. I that's didn't why even know that was a thing. That's why there's that's tariffs and there's prevention from having uh, European or Canadian baby formula being imported into the country is because they have a, a, a monopoly with these uh, four manufacturers making all the baby formula, yeah. and they have these huge, you know, whatever Monsanto or God, you know, whatever companies that are growing corn that need to get rid of all of their high fructose corn syrup, and they just pump it into your child's and, and, formula. And you know, here's the thing, right? Like. <laughs> I I pride myself on being pretty well educated on like different aspects of government intervention ruining the economy, right? Like it's just like in it, that's all it does. It doesn't ever help it, right? But like, what? Um, yeah, right. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Politicians are corrupt. But anyway, um, it's like. I learn new ways the government screws us over, like <laughs> regularly. <laughs> Not every day, but like no, I, that I learn shocks every day. me, right? Yeah. Like, like it's it's absolutely insane. And there's so many things like that you think, like, oh, there's no way the government is involved in that. Like, I was like child support. I thought that was like a local thing. Like, I thought it was like George- <laughs> no, like it's a federal thing where where the the uh, I think it's uh, Title Four D of the Social Security Act matches i think it's like they give a dollar for every 66 cents to the local court that for every dollar they ascribe to child support so so they they're incentivized a lot to jack up child support even when custody is 50 50 they assign child support just so they can cash in on tax yeah it's absolutely insane. And you don't think like that's something that's like, you're like, oh. Uh, and so all these parents struggling to pay their child support, that's why they're, the courts are incentivized to, to make, make the payment as high as possible. Yep. That's insane. It is. Yeah. You know, before we go to the next topic, I did want to say something about free lunch real quick is uh, over the, cause my, my kids are in school here in Rhode Island. The last couple of years they've had free lunch, all yeah, the, all they, the federal funds coming you. in and started. the quality of the food 
has just shot, shot. down yeah. now that they you know provide the <laughs> free lunch. So it's, it's it's not something that I think oh, oh well, you know free lunch they've had free lunch the past few years and it's just horrible. Comrade, you're not happy with the food. Right, exactly. <laughs> you, you need to report for your General Mao hat. Jeez. So so to summarize with Hurwitz, or I'm sorry if I'm saying his name wrong, I forget. Um, it's like, yeah, if, if you just want to inflate this budget of $400,000 a classroom plus, right? Yeah, vote for Hurwitz. Okay. If you want to actually solve these problems in our schools and actually get children decent food vote for gizzarelli i like it so the presumptive republican candidate ashley kalis we did a very extensive our last podcast was uh exclusively on how terrible we trolled the shit out of her she is on the second (laughs) amendment issue but uh let's just get them out of the way because why the hell not is her name kalis i was actually callous oh well she is Uh, which which is i know that's a i don't know is ironic it's a little on the nose yeah Yeah. (laughs) What makes you a better candidate than her? I'm, I'm, that, that would be the next. That, that would and be again, I'll, I'll just go back to what I was saying. Like, um, one, I mean, guys, she's not going to win. <laughs> like, she's she's not. Like, if you vote for Callis, you are wasting your vote. Okay? Like, it's just, it is what it is. Like, she has, I was looking at her social media. She has 2.6K followers. Well, I don't even want to say 2.6K because that sounds like millions. She has 2,600 followers on Facebook. She has 1,600 followers on on Twitter. It's well, like you, my can't, you can't blame account her. On She's Facebook only been here for like nine friends. months. Yeah, right. I, I have it on good authority that uh, her f- jaw actually hit the floor when she found out that you got on the ballot. I think yeah. that that was uh, <laughs> something that she was Is not prepared for. I don't know, yeah. but I, I have it on good authority that someone was present. That uh, yeah, she what, was not happy. Is about. that because there's finally a, a, a Second Amendment candidate on the ballot? Right. Right. I think yeah. that's it. I, and I think- so, hard stop, real quick. If you're listening to this right now, go to. Uh, or my official governor page, Elijah Gizzarelli for governor on Facebook and like it. Eli4ri.com. Actually, let me put go it up to on Eli the for, well, Right now, I just want to talk about social media. You can also go to at Elijah John, right? And that's J-O-N, right? And um, and like those pages, follow the, my Twitter, right? If we're going to get a bigger social media following than the Republican candidate, and then they can't keep us out of the debates. That's a good that's I a like good call. That. Right? I like that. So great. That's stop great what you're doing right now. Like go to it. those pages. Do it. Share it on your social media. Talk to your friends and family. Get them to follow those pages. We're well, going to have a bigger social media following than the Republican candidate. We'll I put, like it. We'll put those links in the show notes just to yeah for posterity. You know, while, while we're on, you know, we, we just talk, kind of brush over education, and now we're on, you know, Second Amendment. What's your stance on guns? I mean, you know, I, when when we when when we were talking about Ashley last time, you know, the one stance the Republicans supposed to have is, you know, they're supposed to, you know, vote no or or, or say I would never sign anything on the those AR-15s and things <laughs> like that. So I, I kind of want to clear the air because uh, this is the big thing on social media is not only is always the, the vote is wasted, but like, you know, there isn't a two A candidate, a, a true two A anti state, however you want to call it candidate so i'd like to know what your stance is on the second amendment owning a weapon is a civil right right if you are not allowed to protect yourself right you're not a free citizen there right citizens are armed slaves are disarmed right and so 
Now, we can argue all day about what's an assault rifle. There's no real definition for that term, right? Um, but the, the point of the matter is, is that um, I think, what was it? Thomas Jefferson said um, the definition of tyranny is this, something that the government can do that the citizen cannot, right? Um, and, and this is a big thing. Like, we have, we have militarized police, right? Um, we have police officers able to carry these weapons. We have, like, you know, obviously soldiers. And then people will say the AR-15. Like, I'm a veteran. I, I think, Billy, you're not a veteran. I'm the only one. No, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, he's yeah, odd man out. Like, <laughs> a lot of veterans are libertarians, right? And it's like, look, um, a lot of people will say the AR-15, that's a military weapon. It's like, no, literally, the AR-15 is literally a civilian version of the M-16, which is a military weapon, right? And you should be able to own an M16. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. it's like, look, the vast majority of murders with guns do not happen with rifles. They do not happen with rifles. They happen with pistols. Okay? I think it's, like, literally only, like, 400 or 500 a year nationally. Right? And almost none of them, I don't actually have the numbers for Rhode Island, but almost none of them happen in Rhode Island. Yeah. Right? So if you're scared about AR-15s in Rhode Island, you are just uninformed. Right. Like that's it. And irrational fear. Yeah. It's a, it's yeah, a completely irrational. irrational fear. Right. Um, the reason why we are, we have guns in this country is to, and I think MSNBC said it best, uh, the most anti-gun network in the country. <laughs> right. They said it best. Venezuela, there were Humvees running over civilians, right. In Venezuela. It was, it was very, very tragic. Uh, I'm sure you probably saw the videos. Um, and, the people on MSNBC who were toting about how amazing Venezuela was just a couple of years prior was saying like, well, how could this have happened? Like, why is it? Why are we saying this? And uh, the man on MSNBC said, well, if we're going to be honest, it's because they disarmed the people just a few in 2008. Right. Mm -hmm. Like they disarmed the people. The people have no recourse. Right. And so a lot of people will say like to libertarians, like, Oh, why are you going to fight the government with your AR-15? It's like, no, I don't want to fight the government. That's why we should have AR-15. That's right. Because yeah. armed resistance turns I'm just doing my job into screw this job. Yeah. Right? And that that's the thing. People don't like to get shot at. It doesn't matter who they are. So they're not going to risk it. As soon as you disarm the public, now you're allowing atrocities to happen. Yeah. So can we, we clear? Let's clear the record real quick. Uh, those uh, the, the the laws that. Uh uh, McKee had signed. Would you <laughs> would would you have signed any of them? Any of the restrictions on firearms? Which which was the the, the carrying of the long guns in public. Uh, it was the high capacity magazines and what was the third? Quote unquote. High the, capacity. Yeah, the high yeah. capacity. Ma it was over ten rounds, which basically makes a bunch of semi-automatic uh, handguns basically illegal overnight. And what was the the last one? I can't remember. Oh man, there was one other one that was ridiculous. Oh, my God. Wow. It's well, only, I don't so. know what that last one was, yep. but I think it's safe to say I would not have signed yeah. any of them. <laughs> Anything <laughs> restriction in the second uh, Yeah. You have, there you have it, folks. Yeah. I, I think that's that's important. Anybody out there, again, emphasize it. 2A community, you have your candidate it's, it's right a, here. Uh, and I actually want to shout somebody out right now. Like, look, gun ownership is a civil right, and I think one of the biggest problems uh, it's not like one of the biggest but like we've seen a, like a lot of violence towards the black community especially in inner city communities which is run by democrats and where you have the least gun rights in the country mm -hmm. right and so i have a friend maj Ture. Yep. he runs an organization called black guns matter 
right? And you should hit him up. He's he's absolutely amazing. Go to his website, donate. He goes to inner city communities. He teaches um, people living in impoverished areas how to legally own guns in their area. He teaches them safety with firearms. He teaches Be- them conflict resolution. I was just going to say that. Before he even it's does that, he teaches yeah, conflict resolution. Yeah, that's like the big thing. Right? Like He's yeah. not just a gun guy. Like He's like a conflict resolution guy. He teaches you how to how to stop you know fights before they even start, right? And so absolutely amazing guy, um, really great. Maj Ture, Black Guns Matter. He was just on Tim and Pool. We, we, and we talked about he this. He was just on Tim Pool. Yeah, yeah. that's right. And that's we right. talked about this extensively in just the last podcast, too, again, is that when you take away people's guns, you're taking away the people's ability to protect themselves. And again, the people that most likely have to protect themselves are the people that are in the low-income minority community because they're most likely to have uh, not only uh, robberies occur or violent situations occur, but they're least likely to have the police respond to come assist them. So you, when you're disarming people, you're disarming the people who are most vulnerable. And, 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 and uh, here's another thing. Uh, uh, what was it? I think it's called Pink Pistols. It's an mm. organization, right? And uh, Elizabeth Warren, shout out to our neighbor. Um, <laughs> she, was, she was talking about how she'd like, uh, and actually this is kind of somber. It's like She was talking about how like um, if she won the presidency, like she'd read the names off of all trans people that were murdered, right, in the Rose Garden every week or something, right? And it's like, yeah, like trans people get attacked a lot, right? And here's the thing, right? Um Owning a gun stops that from happening mm-hmm. when you're able to protect yourself. So there's an organization called Pink Pistols. Um, it's about it's about this very topic. Their slogan is um, "Armed Queers Don't Get Bashed." Right, and this is it's civil rights, right? Yeah, um, and it's just like if you can protect yourself, you don't have to worry about violence from bigots. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and this is something that we should be using to empower people. The great it's, equalizer. It's surprising to me that Democrats who claim to, to represent minorities are, are trying to take away their gun rights. It's like yeah. that's that's what that's part of what protects them in a society of the majority. I mean, there is right? a racist right. pinning underpinning to gun control. Right. And it yeah. was yeah. to disarm those marginalized communities so they didn't have a way to. Defend and that's themselves. just the, the history. Like yeah. the yeah. first gun licenses were issued after slavery got out because they were like. Oh, well, black people are owning yeah, guns. Oh, yeah, we, no, we, we need don't want that. you yeah. need a license, so you have to go, and then they'll be like, "Oh, there, was your grandfather a free uh, a free man? Oh, if not, you can't get a gun." Like yeah. it was like all crazy stuff. Yeah. Like, and there there is an organization on the left, and I've been doing don't look up Ronald Reagan yeah. and gun control. <laughs> it's, it's, it is interesting because there is an organization on the left, at least one. There's two that I know of off the top of my head that does understand this: the John Brown Gun Club. Have you guys ever heard yeah. of that? Yeah. I they're have they're it, hardcore socialists. Don't <laughs> yeah. get me wrong. Like if you go down that rabbit hole, be well, prepared. Well, if you go far enough left, you get your guns back. That's right, exactly. I've, I've heard That's, that. yeah. And there's also the Socialist Rifle Association. There's yeah. another group. But so they but their their entire premise for this is for marginalized yeah. people to defend themselves against yeah. You know, and yeah. but again, like I said, that's a that's a rough rabbit. It's a rough ride if you get on that. Yeah, uh, no, like uh, actually, let's let's look up Ronald Reagan and gun control. So, like, yeah, like <laughs> Ronald Reagan actually supported gun control when when he was in California, and it was because the Black Panthers, right, were using guns yeah. in their marches, and he was like, "Whoa, black people with guns? Mm-hmm. No, 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 no." And it's, so, yes, if you actually look it up, the history of gun control is just a history of racism. Yeah. Right. Um, there's, there's an article here in the week, and I, I'm just going to read the headline just because. Yeah. It, but it says, uh, 
how Ronald Reagan learned to love gun control. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, there's uh there's definitely a history there. Yeah. So so speaking of the uh the, the typical uh people that are usually trying to take your guns, uh of the uh the major well, let's talk let's talk about the, uh, the the lesser candidates on the Democratic side. The 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 Matt Browns and the the Daniel Munez. These are the uh the 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 I don't know 4 5% 6% uh candidates that um uh, uh, Matt Brown is most uh, famous for being the past Secretary of State. He is the leader of the Political Co-op, which is the far-left organizations that's uh, running basically a I don't, I don't even know what it is some uh, um, amorphous uh, organization that uh, somehow funnels money to political. Yeah, they camp. were in the Projo this week, weren't they? Exactly, they were. They had a whole article, and I, I've been slamming on this bell for the past uh since the Lofton Asensio campaign in, in 2018 uh but uh the Green Party uh leader or I guess it's not the Green Party because they're he's separated himself but the past Green Party leader is bringing a challenge against Matt Brown's campaign against the political co-ops uh basically funneling of corporate money some of it tied to the fossil fuel industry which is the Ooh, which oh, is the original that's the original sin of the far left uh you know um uh, environmental movement is uh, is is having uh, any type of ties to the uh, uh, the uh, fossil fuel industry. Uh, so he's bringing that complaint against them. Uh, and then Dr. Munoz, who is uh, I don't know, he's a, he's a he ran as an independent in last gubernatorial mm-hmm. election, uh, didn't do very well, and now he's running for the the Democratic. Um, he's got a, a good uh, organization behind him, but uh, it's only local to the I feel like the inner city, uh, more like that. Uh, but those are the lesser candidates. Um, why don't you uh, explain why you would be better? They're, they're kind of more of the extreme candidates, the extreme liberal candidates, let's say. Uh, why, why would you better, be better than the uh, progressive option uh, on the Democratic side? I mean, I'm not going to be competing with them. So it's kind of hard to answer that. Like, if, if you, you're well, thinking I, about, like, after they lose, right, well, time, um, well, time tomorrow, out for, right? Well, time out for me. This is, this is important, though, for us as a libertarian yeah. party because, like— a lot of people ask us, like, well, why don't you just join the Republican Party and turn into the Libertarian Party? And like, then you guys can just be part of the duopoly and like, that'd be <laughs> yeah. great, like, and stuff like that. But the progressives, that seems to be their strategy. The Working Families Party, they're not starting their own political party in the state. The, 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 they're, DSA. The, the, yeah, the DSA. They're just going ahead and, and knocking people off and picking people off in a September primary. So I, I think it's, you know, I, I think it's relevant. Like, why, why is the Libertarian option better than the far-left progressive option through the Democratic I, I got what you're saying yeah. now. All right. So, like, look, if if you if you are attracted to those two candidates, right, and it's like we may disagree on several points. We probably agree on a lot more than you, say you so. realize. Yeah. Uh, we probably agree on a lot more, mm-hmm. right, than than uh, than you realize. Um, but with that said, right, it's it's like if you're like, man, like the Democratic Party needs to prosper. The Republican Party is going to ruin the whole country. It's like, okay. Well, first, you need to fix your own backyard, right? Like, and so if you just do what you guys did with Joe Biden, right, and you you get this like Wall Street insider and in, involved, right? It's like, it's like okay, if you're like one of these outside Democrats and you support them, and you're going to be very disappointed in McKee, right? Vote against him. Punish your party. Teach them that they need to nominate people that you are willing to vote for, that you are proud to vote for, right? So if you're not even going to vote for me, don't vote for them, yeah. right? It's you're, What you're doing when you do that is you're, you're telling them that your opinion doesn't matter in their primary, 
right? You're telling them that they can push these mainstream uh, insider candidates, right? And it's like, it's it's disappointing. And I was a little bit encouraged by the amount of Bernie voters who didn't vote for Joe Biden, mm-hmm. right? Like, that, that, that was a surprising well, percentage well, who so, didn't. So that's, that's a great yeah. point, though. So, so these voters, if you are going to go out on September 13, you're going to vote for one of these candidates, why should, in the general election, they now change their vote to you? Well, Instead of some of these establishment candidates, the the the, the Nelly Gorbeas, the Helena Folks, and the Dan McKees. why should they? If they didn't get Matt Brown, they didn't get um, uh, Dan Dan Mun- uh, Dr. Daniel Munoz elected. Why? Why? What are some of the common ground that the libertarian philosophy sometimes shares with the you know the the quote unquote far left? I guess I I would right. get if you've been living in Rhode Island, mm-hmm. you've probably heard the term. It's a who you know state. Right. Like I'm not these political insiders. Right. I'm not these people that are going to be selling off teacher pensions to their friends in New York, raising their premiums and then lowering their benefit. Right. It's not going to happen. Right. I don't have those types of connections. <laughs> well, I always joke about with uh, libertarian like people will say like, oh, well, how come the libertarians like they never win? And it's like, first off, libertarians win all the time, mm-hmm. right? We're winning a lot, actually. We're the only growing party in the United States. Um, and so it's like, okay. But besides that, it's like, because we not only don't have a lot of political favors to sell, but even if we had political favors to sell, we would not sell them. It's the basis of libertarianism. Mm-hmm. Libertarianism yeah. is a political philosophy, right? And if you stand against corruption, you stand against war, you stand against the drug war, the, the Libertarian Party is the party that you should be supporting it without a better option for you, right? And now it's like, I, I would love to discuss, like, I I, lo- I have friends that, are, that describe themselves as socialists. Right. I, I mean, I, I was in communist China when COVID happened. Like, I was with a bunch of, like, <laughs> See, I was with Cynthia McKinney, a former Democratic congresswoman in China, when COVID started. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's like, look. We have a lot of common ground. And again, the drug war is, is a big part of it. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the main issue I am going to be running, which we haven't talked about. Yeah. And so the drug war in the state, people will say, oh, Rhode Island's not that bad because we've decriminalized. And it's like, no, we, we've decriminalized marijuana, right? Or I should say cannabis, or Anne's going to hit me <laughs> next time I see her. We've decriminalized cannabis, right? And, um, and it's, like, it's like, look, we've decriminalized cannabis, but it's still illegal in the state. It's still illegal in Massachusetts. It's still illegal in Colorado. It's still illegal in in Washington, Oregon. It's still illegal in California. Still, still illegal to bring it across state lines. It's no, because it's a federal thing. Exactly. And, and a lot of people don't realize this. I was driving from California right after they they legalized wreck in the state. Right, I was driving from California into Arizona with a veteran, Adam Kokesh. Um, right, and he um, he. He had a very small amount of marijuana in the vehicle. I, I, well, cannabis. He had a very small amount of cannabis in the vehicle. I don't smoke. I know I have long hair. I look like I do a lot of drugs. I'm actually pretty straight laced. The Bob Healy thing going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. I actually don't do drugs. I actually don't think doing drugs is a good idea um, unless it's like shrooms for treating PTSD, which is proven science behind that you can look mdma it too is a, yeah, I, mdma a, yeah great change your mind on netflix is a great documentary yeah, so, a uh, it, yeah. but outside of that right it's like it's like i don't 
do those things regularly. Like I, I don't like them. I like to be in control of my body. I'm like a little like, you know, anyway, so we're driving through and this, we get stopped by border patrol. Border patrol is federal agents. Right. And so we get stopped by border patrol and they say that they can smell uh, cannabis in the car, were, which was definitely not true. Were you, were you crossing a border? Yeah, we were cross. Uh, actually, I think we were well into Arizona. Though. Well, that's the, but that's the thing is you were within a thousand or was it a hundred? A hundred, yeah, hundred miles, miles so, which is like ninety-seven percent of the yeah, U.S. It's population. Entire, <laughs> it's the entire yeah. state of Rhode Island, by yeah, the way. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> yeah, ocean borders count. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, anyway, so. and so anyway, right? So we get stopped, right? And now I'm with a veteran who has a medical uh, marijuana card right in Arizona and we were driving from California where they just legalized rec. So obviously they saw me with long hair driving from California the day after it got rec rec was legalized, right? And they're like this guy, he just, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, right? So they stopped me and they're like, "Oh, we can smell it." There's no way like we had so small amount of cannabis in the vehicle and it was inside three packages in the glove compartment. Like there was no way they smell anything. Right. But they decided to search the vehicle. Luckily, we had a key for the glove compartment. They couldn't get in it. And so they had us for that for three hours. Right. But um, Adam, he's like talking to the guy. He's like being real nonchalant, real nice about it. He's like, listen, he's like, I'm a veteran. I have PTSD. I have this medical marijuana card here in Arizona. He's like, and we're, he's like, look, I live in Arizona. I have a medical marijuana card. So it's legal for me here. And I'm driving from California where it's legal to buy for everybody there. Are you really going to bust my balls about this? Yeah. And the border agent was like, listen, it is still illegal federally. federally. Yep. So it doesn't matter what state you're in. It doesn't matter what laws your puny little state did. If you get stopped by a federal agent, it's illegal and you will go to federal prison. Our founding fathers are rolling over in their graves. Absolutely. Just that, yeah. from that conversation right there. You will go to federal prison, right? And so it's like, it doesn't, like these little measures are nothing. Right now, we have people at the ACI who have. They've not done anything wrong to anybody. They've not harmed anybody. They have not stolen from anybody. And and it's like, why are we stopping at at just cannabis? It's like, it's it's this is about bodily autonomy. Hasn't both sides of the aisle right now been screaming about bodily yeah. autonomy for the last two years? Absolutely. Right? Like yep. it's like and it's like, so why don't we, any there are some politicians in the state um that might have a decent idea about bodily autonomy or decent views on the subject sometimes none of them have a decent view on it all the time and if you are a democratic socialist or a socialist or a communist i'm sure you probably feel pretty strongly about bodily autonomy mm -hmm. right this is an issue like this is a civil rights human rights issue right and it's like look i am the only candidate that's going to be on the ballot that's going to have a pers uh, a persistent consistent view of bodily autonomy it's what you do to your own body is your own choice and nobody not anybody should be able to tell you what you can put inside of it so we have people right now in the aci right uh, they've been taken away from their families they've been taken away from their jobs they've been taken out of their communities their children are now without a father or a mother. It's a, it's a horrible situation. And now taxpayers are paying for them. We pay the fifth highest in the country just because really? they had, yeah, we, yeah. 50, just like everything else, right? <laughs> $50,000 a year we pay per inmate per year at the ACI. It's the Sign fifth. me up. Jeez. Yeah. And, and the average Rhode Islander only makes $35,000 a year, which means it costs more 
to be a prisoner yeah. in Rhode Island than it does to be a, the average citizen. It's absolutely ridiculous. How does that happen? And, and the idea that uh, literally the candidate that was just endorsed by the Boston Globe is was literally the CEO of CVS while they were pushing the opioid epidemic across this country. And now she is running for governor. Meanwhile, all these other nonviolent drug offenders who are essentially doing the same thing are, are now rotting in jail. And we have another person that made millions off of it and using that, that, that value to, to, to run for office. I mean, it's, the hypocrisy is, is, is unbelievable. It's absolutely ridiculous. So listen, if you want to stop this kind of madness, you need to stop voting for who they tell you you're supposed to vote for, right? And it's like, if you support other people with other views, that's fine. I'd love to have a conversation with you. Like, I'm I'm like a really deep philosophical person. I love these types of conversations, right? Like, I would love to have a conversation with you about them, right? If we can't do that, though, just think, like, who is going to further my views the most? Is it this guy who can change the political landscape in Rhode Island or voting for the same old people that they've been telling me to? It's not the the latter option, I can mm -hmm. assure you. It, you. You bring up an interesting point too, and um, let's blow up some Republicans' minds right now. Talking about you know um, the bodily autonomy, and you have you know so often the Republicans will complain, right? They'll say, well, if if we legalize drugs, people are going to commit crime. Well, that's the point in which you have a problem when the crime is committed yeah, against exactly. another person. It, that's that's a the great. Point. That's yeah. that's the point, right? So if someone wants to get high and sit on their couch and, you know, just veg out and watch TV. They've done nothing wrong to anybody that there's no crime committed. If they hurt somebody, then there's a crime. The problem is they, they don't get it in that context, but they do get it in the gun control context when they say, yep. look, it's not the tool that the person has. The person can have a gun. It's when they commit murder. Yeah. That's the problem. Mm -hmm. That's it's the same thing. It's the same consistent rationale, which and libertarians get, apply across the board. And let me be and very, the, very they, clear here. I, I do not suggest, like, I, I do not support people to use drugs. Like, I, right. I don't, I don't well, suggest people. To, like, and yeah. again, it's like, with that said, I understand. I've known people that were addicted to cocaine and they should not ever, ever, ever take cocaine or bad things are going to happen in their life. Also, a few of the most productive people I know in society <laughs> no do problems, cocaine right? on a regular basis. The right? Half, so half it, of the House of Representatives in the U.S. It, it's, it's, it's a Congress, different right? situation for everybody. Yeah. And again, like, I mean, come on, guys. The, the son of the president of the United States, <laughs> there's a video that is public of him smoking crack, yeah, yeah. getting a foot job. And then Democrats terrible. try to say, like, Trump ruined the sanctity of the presidency. <laughs> It's like, this is ridiculous, right? And it's like, it's like, look, they're all buffoons and it's all rules for you and not for me. Yeah. Meanwhile, in the inner city, you get caught with a crack pipe. You're, you're doing a mandatory 12. It's a third strike. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's a point we stress here over and over and over, and I don't mind doing it, is that just because we say you should be able to doesn't mean you should. Right? Like, exactly. Like, do, it's, not, it's a, do not do smoke well, crack. I, well, do not smoke crack. Do not do math. Do not. You should probably stay away 
away from cocaine as well, right? Like, but I don't care don't, what you do. You yeah. shouldn't be thrown in a cage for doing it. Like, mm. and exactly. if you're not hurting anybody else, you shouldn't be. And the reason why these situations and these environments get created where other people and innocent third body bystanders get injured is because you've created a black market and you have these dangerous individuals. Look what prohibition did to alcohol. You had the, like all the the famous gangsters that uh, you know were shooting up people in the St. Valentine's Day massacre and like all the other crazy stuff that was just kind of beyond the pale for the time that just has been perpetuated now with the ongoing drug war that we've been having right now and we need to end it and and you made this a significant point so on day one when you are elected governor uh, what are you going to do to to solve the problem here in the state of rhode island on day one if i'm elected governor i will issue a pardon for all non-violent drug offenders send them home back home to their families back home to their friends back home to their communities with a heartfelt apology. This is an economic disaster. We're taking people out of their families, their jobs. Then we're spending tons of money to keep them imprisoned and isolate for society for no re- good reason. And it's a humanitarian crisis. I don't right. think any of the Democrats have actually said that in any we, of their campaign pitches. That's interesting. We've just legalized cannabis in the state of Rhode Island, yet there's people in jail right now for the same exact crime that we've just legalized for. We've sit there, we've expunged people's uh, criminal records uh, uh, for the same exact issue, yet there's still people in the ACI for that right now. Nobody should be confined to a cage for a medical problem that they have or the fact that they wanted to you know smoke a plant or eat a substance or or drug addiction is a mental health issue it is not a criminal issue and we need to stop like listen even if you're a police officer if you're a police officer you're a prosecutor we're paying these people to persecute the drug war and it doesn't make any sense these people should be focusing their time on violent criminals Mm -hmm. thieves murderers like that's what they're supposed to be there for they should not be spending their time and taxpayer dollars on people that have never hurt anybody or stolen from anybody this is ridiculous they need to be protecting property rights a hundred percent and the the most important piece of property anyone owns is their own body and their own autonomy and everything like that. So that just goes back to exactly what all these people have been paying lip service to the, the, the two major parties about uh, you know, looking out for your rights and looking out for everything that they say is, is good and just and, and the noble thing to do. It's, it's really just whatever issue it is, whatever the talking points are, they don't mean anything that they say. They're just telling you what you want to hear so that yeah. you will vote for them and perpetuate this nonsense. You know, I, th- I think what's interesting, and I really like the libertarian position on this, Right. Because you can apply this principle so broadly, like you're talking about autonomy and things like that, you know, on your website, you know, Eli4RI.com, you you mentioned this uh, and I think it's very clever, right? You talk about bringing back flavored vapes, Mm -hmm. but really that statement is so much more than just that, right? You know, the the state, the government should not tell you what you can put inside of your body. That's like saying, like, bring back grape soda. Yeah. (laughs) Like, what? Is that illegal? But they tried to tell. Grape soda. All right, that's not true. I was going to say something ridiculous. (laughs) But no, but like, like, grape soda might be might be more dangerous than flavored vapes. But but it's not true. I mean, it's they're not that far apart. But seriously, Uh, though, but like that's (laughs) that's how ridiculous something like that would be. Is that like the idea that you know again the, the 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 fact that you have less of a choice as a consumer because some 
other consumer might be more attractive to a pro- attracted to a project is like the most absurd thing in the entire world. That's just like goes against every free market and, and again, principle. Rhode Island is one of four states that have banned flavored vapes. Massachusetts uh, went a little crazy and banned all flavored tobacco. Right. And instead of Rhode Island, like taking advantage of that and putting up a bunch of vape shops on the border of Massachusetts, we banned it, too. <laughs> yeah. So now we got Massachusetts people driving through Rhode Island to get Can to I- Connecticut <laughs> to pick up their flavored vapes. And then we got Rhode Islanders doing the same thing. They're spending their money not only on my sister. She's a vapor. She used to drive to New London and drop like two hundred dollars at a time on flavored vapes. Right, it's ridiculous. Then she's stopping at restaurants. Sometimes she'd get a hotel getting there. Getting gas. Yeah, getting gas. It's like we're losing all these dollars that, that could be supporting Rhode Island businesses. This is this is just economic stupidity. And it might not be like that much of like we're losing like tourist dollars, but like come on, guys. The Rhode Island economy is ranked really low. I forget what it was. I think like last time it was like eighth worst or something in the nation, right? Well, it's no the uh, it was, MSNBC poll. We're like the bottom two or three every single year. It's okay. just like we, we are. Yeah, I always see different numbers. At the bottom. Yeah. We're never doing never at the well. Top. We're never, we're at never the top, doing no. well, right? And yeah. it's like we need every dollar we can get. So why are we have this ridiculous policy in place, right? Well, and, and, and it's. And it's not only that, but again, like you said, it's it's you're 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 creating a gray market, right? Because now you've created a void in the Rhode Island market, and right across this arbitrary imaginary line in Connecticut, there is no same restriction. So what yeah. stops somebody from going across the border and buying a product, and now they're bringing it over here? They're marking it up. They're not storing it in the proper re- requirements. God only knows they could be. T- extracting the the liquid and cutting it with something else so that they could have uh, more product to sell and inferior cartridges or whatever, which is now. But you know, I have I'll- a perfect example of that tonight. Uh, a tradition before the podcast: always pick up some beer, yep. right? So there is a state law that says liquor stores have to close at six p.m. on Sundays. So what did I do? I crossed the imaginary line <laughs> to Massachusetts. And I was able to buy it, not only, you know, just being able to get it, but I could get it inside of a gas station, believe it or oh, not. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's another thing. Like, why is that a state law? And again, as governor, I can't just, <laughs> I can't just like wave my, and again, I, I have a crazy conspiracy theory that's actually super accurate and not really conspiracy theory and just what's actually happening. Big money from Boston and Massachusetts invades Rhode Island politics, has us set up stupid policies that benefit Massachusetts. And this is one of them. Easy enough to do. Right? That's, that's like, a- it's, it's just, it's common sense, right? But as governor, you also have a lot of authority because you are the executive branch that's in charge of many of these departments that are mm. funded by the General Assembly. So as the executive for all these uh, individual departments and everything like that. You have the ability to disband the department. Yeah, so I can't rewrite legislation as the governor, but what I can do is I can executively direct these organizations not to persecute people who may be in blurry lines, right? And I can well, I can refocus our efforts, our regulatory efforts on things that matter and and direct them away from things that don't. Right. Or, or so does t- a Gizzarelli administration mean that I'll be able to buy a beer on Sunday at seven o'clock? It could. <laughs> <Ooh. We'll see. laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I, I thought <laughs> when I first read your 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 um, list of, of the things you're you're uh, running on, I saw vapes and I, I thought well, that's kind of a weird one. Right. But 
then I thought about it a little bit more, and it, it really is a good analogy. It's 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 using that issue as an analogy for so many other things, right? Like it's such a silly, same. right? And we used to do this on the show it's when I, back back in the day it's with just Eric. A stupid policy, right? It's like it's one of those stupid policies that you can use to expose the stupidity of everything else, right? It, like you can link that to many other things. And, yeah. I, and again, so, like a, a lot of people actually assume that I vape because that's like on my website. And yeah. it's like, no, I don't vape. In fact, I think <laughs> vaping is terrible. I wish my little <laughs> sister would stop vaping. Like Katrina, if you are listening, stop, <laughs> you know, like it's not good for you. I don't think it's better than smoking. I think, uh, but again, that's, they Oh, by the way, I, I should actually say this cause I, we've trampled on that a little bit. I am not a doctor. Do not construe <laughs> this podcast to be medical it's advice. Not medical advice, yeah. That's um, a good point. See your so, local shaman. So are you a, are you a financial advisor though? I am not a okay. financial advisor, but I got some pretty good NFL picks. <laughs> probably look into. No, as long as it's not the the Patriots, you can vote. You can bet on them. I'm not going to mention it. the Patriots. Yeah, that, that's uh, not. Especially after today. <laughs> So what about uh, Main Street and, and the, the small business owner in the state of Rhode Island? Why should a small business owner, somebody that has uh, their blood, sweat, tears, money, they're, they're, they're the life, uh, they're the largest employer in the state of Rhode Island collectively as a small business owner. They pay the largest portion of taxes in the state. They are basically keeping us afloat as a state. If you are somebody who is working hard to keep your employees paid, keep your lights on, uh, you know, pay for your insurance, pay your taxes, every other thing like that, you know, before you pack up your business and move down south somewhere, you know, why should they cast their vote for you in November? So one of my favorite things about New England and Rhode Island specifically is um, where we got a lot of small businesses up here. Like if you travel the country... It's a lot of corporate parks. Yeah. Like they're, they're really mom and pop shops are pretty rare outside of New England. Um, yeah, you know, because yeah, we visit my, my sister-in-law in Texas, and uh, it's all just, you know, these blocks of people living very close together. But at the same time, it's all blocks of franchises and things like Chain that. Chain restaurants. Yeah, like, yeah, oh and, my and, God. The, and there's this weird, silly idea that libertarians are like pro-corporation. And it's like, no, 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 no. no, no, no. <laughs> it's like, all right, so we're pro-free market, right? And so a lot of times libertarians, um, we present in a way... Um, well, especially like people on Facebook and stuff, right? They'll present in a way that makes it seem like we're like sucking up yeah. to big corporations. But it's like, no, 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 we're just very principled and we follow rules. And it's like, you shouldn't be taxing these people so much or whatever, right? Like, I don't know. Like, I disagree with a lot. If we were pro corporation, we'd be a wealthy party. But, but we'd, the thing we'd, is, we'd, we'd have sponsors for I'm this waiting podcast. On <laughs> yeah, exactly. The very, the very definition of a corporation is anti-libertarian, right? Yeah. Because because a corporation means it's incorporated with the government. government yeah. And and libertarians believe that the government and corporations or or free market entities, not corporations, that's the term, right? Should be separated. Mm -hmm. Right. And so just by incorporating with the government you've now done something that's anti-libertarian. I think right? the, the libertarian dream would be a bunch of partnerships that were just added and exactly. subtracted depending and so, on whatever thing that you were doing. And if it wasn't for the government, 
I don't think corporations would be able to get as big as they possibly as they're getting now because they wouldn't have the again we talked about this in the beginning regulatory capture as soon as you get established the first thing you do is lobby the government to create rules and regulations that prevent upstart competition. competition from coming hey, exactly. and competing with you like so. what Mark, Mark Zuckerberg right mm -hmm. he was like oh please regulate me yeah, exactly. please please I, we need regulations right like, harder daddy and it's, <laughs> it's, it's kind of Walmart crazy. does the same thing yeah, yeah it's, it's crazy a lot of these corporations pretend to be like oh we don't like the regulations but they secretly if you follow the money they're actually lobbying for a lot of these regulations on their own industries mm -hmm. right like um and so it's like look what they want is barrier to entry right and they they want it so that it's harder to compete with them they don't want small startups they don't want your mom and pop starting a business that could take away from their bottom line so they they have this over and, and that's why there's like this other economic myth that like large businesses like Walmart are like more um, efficient and that's why they do well. They are not more efficient. The only thing that they're more efficient at is dealing with regulations, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Because they can hire one lawyer for the whole country. And then when your mom and dad want to start their business at, in retirement, then they're like, oh, how do I navigate this crazy, like, regulatory system? And then they have to hire one lawyer. And who's going to win? The lawyer for Walmart or the lawyer for your mom and dad? It's, it's ridiculous. You know who loved the higher minimum wage even more than Walmart and all the other, like, you know— fast food chains is, is is amazon and we talked about this before in past uh, podcast because guess what amazon doesn't have the same brick and mortar uh you know as exposure that a target or a walmart or any of these other big mm -hmm. box chains have so and they don't have as many employees either so when you jack up the minimum wage that is just basically just hamstringing their competition and amazon is growing yeah. from it and even at a that's a, a very large level think about how acutely that affects the small mom and pop who's just trying to has one or two employees and and, and doesn't have the the volume to to justify such a large increase in their payroll and and the minimum wage is an attack on the the lowest the earners lowest in our earners. society. Yep. Like and, and this is what a lot of it seems counterintuitive. It's not counterintuitive if you really think about it, but it seems it on the surface because what happens is you say, I want to raise the minimum wage so that the people who earn the least will earn more. But that's not what happens. It makes jobs at the lowest rungs of society more rare. Yep. Cut, and so cuts the bottom rungs off the ladder. Just exactly. Yeah. And so it's like, look, if you if you have a if you have a business, right? Like like just put yourself in this position, right? You have a business, you started a sandwich shop, and it's just you and your wife, let's say, just making sandwiches. By the way, I'm gonna give a shout out to Edgewood Market, right? Um on Narragansett Boulevard in Cranston or right next to um, you know, uh Johnson and Wells there. Okay. Best steak and cheese in the state. Oh, really? <laughs> Ooh, that's a bold uh, it's claim. It's not even close. Oh, man. It's not close. Wow. Wow. What's the name? Edgewood? Edgewood I'm Market. Take notes here. Edgewood okay. Market. Right? All right. They kill it over there. They better guys. take one of your signs. And the way I make, by the way, the way I, the way I order a steak and cheese, by the way, uh, I'm a big foodie. I'm sorry. Um, but the way I order a steak and cheese is I order steak and cheese with peppers, onions, tomatoes, and hot sauce. Ooh. Right? That's the best way to get a steak and cheese. I'm a big Philadelphia Eagles fan, actually, and uh, a lot of my Philly people. We'll bleep that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of my Philly people will will make fun of me because I don't like cheese whiz on my steak and cheese. But y'all, y'all are peasants anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so, all right, that aside, right? Edgewood Market, check it out. They're fantastic. Best steak and cheese in the state. 
Um, and it's really not close. Um, so, um, where was I at? I'm sorry. I Ma- Main Street. Of- where were- yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Small business. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, like, let's say you have, like, a, a mom and pop shop where it's just, like, you and your wife, like, making sandwiches, right? It's, like, now, like, it's, like, you could hire somebody for eight bucks an hour to just clean dishes and have like a pretty easy job, you know, nothing too complicated. Just clean some dishes, a lot of downtime, you know, but then once you start raising that minimum wage and now you got to pay him 15, you're just going to do the dishes yourself. Yep. Yeah. You're not going to hire somebody else to do or that. Or you're going to have the the, the, the <laughs> chef do it, which and, then you're going to get pissed. <laughs> and, and, and so, like, the, but the point is, it's like, it's like, you're not, you're not making people pay more, right? Uh, a, a famous, I, I was with, I, I was uh inter- is kind of a complicated story. Let me simplify it. I was talking to somebody, <laughs> and they were really upset. I was interviewing them for a job actually, and they had quit their job at Dunkin' Donuts because they were working full time when the Obamacare mandates came out, right? Mm. And so all these Dunkin' Donuts started cutting people's hours, yep. right? And so. And she was blaming Dunkin' Donuts for being selfish. And it's like, it's not about selfish. Business is not like, yes, it is selfishness, right? But that's the thing is you have to understand all all corporations are selfish. That's the reason why you do business. All businesses are selfish. They're going to do what's in their best interest, not what's in your best interest. This whole idea that people should like think about, no, you you are your own advocate. They are their own advocates. The more people that are doing operating in their own best interest, it averages everything out and it's the most efficient for the most people. You're raising the most people out of poverty. And so what happens is that the government, what they do is they step in and, they and then they, they, the they, they take they change the rules that makes it so that their best interest is to cut your hours. Yeah. Right. So they're like, oh, if you have a full time employee, you have to pay for their health care. And then Duncan Owens is like, bro. And then pouring coffee, like I can't pay that, right? It's not worth it for me. So they cut people has hours. So instead of them working four instead of five people working forty hours, they get six people to work thirty hours. Yep. And that's all that happens. Mm-hmm. Just going back to your example, the sandwich shop, that one person that you could have hired to wash dishes, as you your business either grew or you got older and you wanted to take a vacation or take time off, you could move him or her into the you know the the business right and and maybe now they're they're working making sandwiches right and they're making you know, they're worth a little more to you as a company mm-hmm. so now you're paying them a little bit more and then you know maybe you want to hire another person and now you need a manager right so mm-hmm. now this person's moving up right like yeah and, 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 and that's it's, how it happens yeah like, like, like that's you, how that when you hire people at lower wages right you're they're, they're learning skills skills yeah. right like and so yes there's there's so many examples of people like. Starting well, off, like, I, there's a subway on um, Cranston Street, right? The subway, it's uh, connected to the gas station there, mm-hmm. right? So, actually, my second job was um, a subway. Um, I worked on the subway on Atwood Ave in Cranston, right? And um, and so, I worked for uh, Ken and Jackie, who's a, a married couple, right? And so, they, had, they ended up growing their organization after I left. So, they owned the subway on Cranston Street. But what happened was that... Um, Anyway, Ken ended up owning it solely, and then he really liked one of his employees. So he, like, set up this whole, like, payment plan with her so she could buy it. So I forget her name. I think it's Sandra. Don't quote me on that. But um, so she's now a business owner, right? Right. She was just a – she was a sandwich artist, right? And now she owns her own business, and and that's how it works, right? Like, these things happen all the time. Mm -hmm. 
And it, the more we cut the legs out of the people on the lowest rungs of the ladder of society, it's they're, it's, they're rungs on a ladder for a reason because you move up. Mm-hmm. And like, the, the higher those rungs go, that's that's you're you're cutting off. It's harder to, to ascend. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I, I started you know, out of, in high school. I, started, I worked as a busboy in a in a rest, a local restaurant. Right. And, you know, doing that moved into the salad room. You know, now I'm a salad maker and that kind of thing. And that, but the, my point being now is how often do you go into a restaurant? Do you see even bus people anymore? You don't. Like the waitresses and waiters yeah. clear their own tables yeah. for the most part now. Occasionally you'll see it. But back then, you know, in the 80s and 90s, there were bus kids everywhere, right? Like it but, was every restaurant had, that was the thing, with dishwashing and bus, bus, bus and tables. Right? Well, you, like, you also brought up a good point because, first of all, you, you're describing a situation where you're getting uh, immediate feedback and, and payoff for hard work. Mm. So if you're a new employee that's just getting started out and you're trying to learn those skills that what makes you a good employee that's going to make you marketable to a future position, having those skills available that you're going to have, it may be an insignificant promotion, but from like, like you said, be a, a, a dishwasher to a salad maker. I mean that, you know, that, that, that shows pride. It's, it's, well, you're not going to have that opportunity yeah. necessarily, you know, when you, when you graduate from college, I think that's the big issue people get when they graduate from college. They think they're going to graduate and some company is going to hire them to be their social media manager at like, you know, the dream salary that they had. And they're going to get self-actualized and get five promotions within the first like three years that they're there and stuff like that. And it's like it doesn't happen because when you're talking about larger jobs and more important jobs, that those promotions are fewer and far between. But when you're talking about a dishwash to a salad boy, you get to experience that and get to live that and, and appreciate that and then use that as something as motivation yeah. to get a, a better job so to, so i think that we kind of have gone off on a tangent let yeah, me yeah. let me roll this i i, I, well, I welcome appreciate to the podcast yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> i appreciate the conversation let's roll it back down to the campaign and here's the campaign right <laughs> bringing back main street right is i'm going to get the government out of your way yeah. right as much as i possibly can i am only one man even if i'm the governor you know i got a whole state congress to deal with right um so look I'm, I will fight to make sure that um, occupational licensing, you're not going to need a license to braid hair. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, there's a law in Tennessee. I hope it's not a law in Rhode Island. I mean, I don't know. At, <laughs> at this point, the people who run this state, I won't put anything past them. There's like a law in Tennessee that if you want to be a hairdresser, you need to take like a... Like, I think it's like a 60 hour class on reporting domestic violence. It's like, what? Wow. Wow. What? Not, not only is it bad enough that they're, <laughs> they're, they're forcing people, uh, small business owners, to be tax collectors for the state. You have to mm. go ahead and collect taxes for the state and then report it and file it and send it up to them weekly, monthly, quarterly, depending on what type of business you're in. But now we're also acting, you're, you're asking business owners in a low margin industry like hairdressing to be social workers too. Yeah, I mean, are and, you serious? And these occupational licenses are a direct, class, uh, a direct attack on the lower classes, right? And in generally minorities. Um, I mean, minorities make up the majority of the, the, the lower income uh, brackets. So it's what they're doing is they're creating a caste system, right? And it's, it's kind of crazy. Like, if you really think about it, it's like they pretend like it's not happening, right? But then it's like, it's like, do you know what kind of people braid hair for a living? Yeah, really, yeah. 
Are right. you telling me you couldn't so, just move to Rhode Island and like secure like <laughs> multi-million dollar state contracts for the COVID regime? Yeah, it's, it's that sounds familiar. It's, that it's, sounds like a governor again. Again, governor. these are valuable. These are valuable skills, right? Yeah. They should not be regulated skills. No. You're the public is not it, the idea that the public is at risk from hair braiders is ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. You sh you should not need. Like these are the types of jobs that get people out of the trap, right? Yeah. Like these are the types of jobs that do that. Right. And, and we are slamming the door on the trap and we're saying, no, you're staying there. Yeah. And we cannot, uh, as governor, I will make sure that every Rhode Islander has an opportunity to move up. We will judge them based off of their merits, right? We will not judge them based off of their resources, their accessibility to capital, there, if you want to work hard and 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 achieve that American dream, you can do so in Rhode Island while I'm governor. So if you're a Karen holding on to the governmental regulation that's protecting you against these rogue hair braiders, and you really say no, Elijah, you know I need the government to protect me from the the, the scourge of this and everything like that. You know, it, you know, vote for Mickey. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, the, the, the whole thing is just, is, is asinine. It's like, like you said, is that libertarians, we again, podcast, listen to so, past episodes. We are all in favor of private organizations that are, are, are doing this. It's not the role of the government to be regulating this. It should be people that have voluntary associations of hair braiders that have a, uh, you know, that have a, a brand associated with them that people want and seek out and they see value in and they're willing to pay more for a braiding service because there's a value into having that certification. And, and, and this is the thing, right? If you're interested in pretending to care about lower classes in society, if you're interested in caring about and pretending to care about minority communities, if you're interested in paying lip service and uh, what was the Napoleon quote? Promise them everything and give them nothing, right? If that's what you're interested in, vote for the Democrats, vote for Mickey. If you're interested in actually doing something that's going to uh, you know, take people out of the trap, Take, start dis dismantling that trap, right? Vote Gizzarelli for governor. Like, like that, that. I'm the only person in this race that's willing to do that. So, so I got inspired, and we'll, we'll shift topics real quick. And we won't be able to cover all the stances tonight. I think that's uh, unreasonable. We'll have to have you back uh, on the show to talk about this, and hopefully, we can get you know some some of your messaging out there a little bit. I got a little inspiration from uh, the recent Rhode Island Democrat uh, debate that they had. They they excluded some of the people uh, from. You're it, the only one. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, jeez. So, so one of the questions, uh, one of the rapid fire questions, uh, was, uh, you know, uh, along the lines of the extension of the state of emergency in the state. Oh God! And you know, everyone seemed to be pretty okay with it. You know, and granted, the original state of emergency was like February or March 2020, right? Oh, yeah. by, by this time, but every candidate seemed to say, "Oh yeah, we can get the federal funds." And McKee made a huge point about. Well, we send the money to Washington, and then it just comes back to us. So I'd like to I'd like to get your you know opinion on the the current state of emergency. How you you know just to give you that rapid fire, would you continue to extend the state of emergency? And then I want to talk about the budget real quick. So um, this is a, a really great question. Actually, I wasn't expecting it to be asked in this way. Um, and honestly, I kind of agree with all of my Democratic opponents on this. Yeah. 
yeah, we should extend the state of emergency. I'll even <laughs> fake tears on stage, <laughs> right? But like, I, I, I actually, this is the best part of the debate because it was the only like moment of clarity. We have these four, like, what was it? Four of them, right? Yeah, four of them, like the top candidates for governor because who are like, you know, the Democrats are definitely the favorite to win, right? And they're all acknowledging that it's all a dog and pony show. Yeah. Like, like, that was amazing. What? Like, they're if they're you saying want, the quiet part yeah. out loud now. Yeah, exactly. It was like when Trump said that we invaded Iraq for oil. Like, it was fantastic. <laughs> like, like, it's just like, it's like, wow, we got to peek behind the curtain. Yeah. Like, they're all admitting that they're just doing this to get extra it's money. It's not into really an emergency. It's not really an emergency. <laughs> Hell, they had us go and talk to thousands of people in order to get signatures yeah, during know, right? the state of emergency. Oh, we had to go get, yeah, and and that's so it's like, point. <laughs> um, it's like, yeah. I mean, if we're gonna, the federal government takes money from Rhode Islanders, and then they what they do is they bribe Rhode Island, the government of Rhode Island, to do what they want. Uh, this is actually is a big part of the Department of Education, yep. right? Yep. They they take taxes out of Rhode Island, and then they say, hey, we'll give you back some of your money if you do whatever we say. And then every single state kind of goes on and goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on, I, I get like the weekly emails from Cicilline, and he says he's fighting to secure 300K, 400K for all these special projects in Rhode Island. Is that, that's all bullshit? Um, I, I wouldn't use the word fighting. I, I don't think <laughs> this is a family show, right? I, nope. I can't, I can't say what the verb actually is, but, um, <laughs> but, um, so, <laughs> look. <laughs> I'm usually the one that makes the bad joke. <laughs> look, like, what you have to be smart about these things, right? Um, if if I can sign a piece of paper and it's going to bring more money into the state, you bet your ass I'm going to do that, right? Money that they've already stolen. Money that they've already stolen, right? Yeah. I'm going to get the government out of your way, but I, as your governor... Is my job to do what's best for Rhode Island, and what's best for Rhode Island is taking that money back, right? Okay. Now, with that said, I'm not going to pretend like nothing's happening. We had a, a rare moment of clarity during that Democratic debate because the question was asked in such a way they were forced to say the truth, Yeah. right? But they don't come out and volunteer that truth normally. I, as your governor, will keep you informed of the BS going on. I like that. I will tell you exactly what's going on. I'm not going to say this is a state of emergency. I'm going to say I signed a piece of paper that said it was a state of emergency only so we could get some money back into the state. This is ridiculous. This needs to change on a national level. And I will shame every organization, every politician in that line that caused that problem to begin with. Well, if you follow this to his logical conclusion, though, too, because this is an important part for every single person in Rhode Island because we're all individual taxpayers in the state, whether you're property tax, excise tax, any, any type of sales tax, anything like that, if you get the money from the federal government, step one, and you follow the plan of the libertarian candidate, Elijah, as opposed to the Republican or the Democratic plan, which is just to spend that money and to spend more money. If you follow the libertarian plan to shrink the size of government, we are now getting more federal dollars that are offsetting your local tax dollars. That's putting the money right directly back into the pockets of the individual taxpayers here in the state of Rhode Island. And that's the principal 
fact of the libertarian philosophy is that I think that libertarians believe more than anything else that individuals know how to spend money, their own property, and, better than the federal and, and government that's a or the state point. government. That, that's a great point. Yeah. Like the, the whole point of getting those funds isn't going to be to spend more and exactly. give it to my friends. That's what my Democrat. That's what the Democrats are saying, right? They're not going to say that out loud. Obviously, that's another quiet part that they'll keep to themselves. But what they are going to do is they're going to give that to their friends. Why the does anybody know why we're renumbering the highway? Like what the hell, <laughs> bro? I, they, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, let me just say, I, I will say, number okay. num, number one, I, I I I've always admired the states that that do it this way, that they have the 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 the, the actual number of miles in between. Because Florida's had this for a while, and I go visit my sister down in Florida, mm. and I go, that's just a, a, a smarter way of doing it than just arbitrarily assigning numbers to it. That being said. Whether or not it's worth doing it to standardize across all the states, like, are you serious? With GPS, I, I akin this to, I mean, with GPS now, does anybody actually recognize numbers of exits? No. You just follow the GPS and says, yeah. no, no so, I'm, an, I'm an old soul. This is the same. <laughs> really? this is the, I, I don't use my GPS unless I have Well, to, this is the same so. thing as the stupid call boxes every quarter mile on the highway. Remember that when yeah. you were growing yeah. up? Where you'd actually have a, a, a phone every quarter mile on the highway. They would have a phone where if you broke down on the side of the road, you could walk, you know, and you'd be able to get to this phone, you'd flip it up and you'd be able to talk to the police station. They spent all this money to install all these phones all the way up and down the hall, highway, every quarter mile, everywhere you go. And then within like five years of them doing it, cell phone technology just went through the roof. Yeah. And like, it's just it's like, what the hell are it's, you doing? It's absolutely a waste of money. And, and so here's the thing. Like, it's like, look, I'm all about building a better mousetrap, right? Um, it's like, yeah, you know, if, if we can come up with a better way, sure. But they change the highway numbers way too often, yeah. Yeah. right? And it's like, look, I'm sorry, but like, somebody, someone's gonna somebody, friend an assignment. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, like <laughs> the way that any? they're doing it. Like, you, you have like the the new signs up, and then they put like the old number sign, and it's it's. Have like you ever ridiculous. noticed how many damn signs there are on the damn road? Like, there's all these like little white and red ones on the on the guardrails, and like you know, like for the snow plows, and like then there's these other like every think about that every mile, every tenth of a mile, there's a damn sign Some on the highway. So, so this is more of a Massachusetts thing. But <laughs> I swear to God, you can turn right on red in Boston just so that they could put up signs that said <laughs> no turn on red like that's it like it's absolutely crazy um but i mean look like these types of things i think that every rhode islander can see the corruption right like it's it's hard to miss like it really is and deep down inside i know like if you bleed blue and you're a democrat or you bleed red and you're a republican you always want to say, well, not my guy or, you know, like, but come on, guys, Republicans and Democrats have been running this state. They've been running this country for how long? Democrats have been running Rhode Island for 80 years. years. 80, wow. I think it's 85 years. Even I don't even know where the math is. But over 80 years, the Democrats have been running the state. They are the solely to blame for this. We look, should be look, a utopia. Look around. <laughs> look around. Look around, right? And actually, here's here's the actual truth about electoral politics. This is something a lot of people don't realize. There's like this weird perception in the American mind that Republicans used to be in charge of the country, and now the Democrats are finally taking it back, right? Like, like Republicans are like the old conservatives, the grand like, old party. Yeah, <laughs> that that narrative is completely false. 
since the the founding of the Republican, the Democratic Abraham Party is Lincoln. <laughs> much older than the Republican Party. But since the founding of the Republican Party, Democrats have won like eighty five percent of the elections. It's it's crazy. Wow. If you actually look at it, I forget the percentage. Don't quote me on it. But it's it's not close, right? Mm-hmm. It is not close. This country has been run by Democrats for at least one hundred and sixty years, right? Run by Democrats by and large. The, the Republicans are not the old guard, right? It's it's nothing like that. If you do not like the country that you're living in, if you do not like its laws, if you do not like its policies, you can blame a Democrat. You you you. And again, I'm not telling you to vote for Republicans because they've obviously been ineffectual. What I'm saying is that we need a change, right? The Republicans are controlled opposition and nothing more, mm-hmm. right? They, they pay lip service. You can even say – everybody knows this now. Like like Republicans pretend to be all upset about the national debt, and yet Republicans have raised the national debt probably yeah. more than Democrats, right? The Trump. The, yeah, yeah it's when, absolutely the, crazy. Inflation, by the way, is a Republican problem. Yep. The majority of money that was printed was under Trump. Yep. Yeah. It was not under Biden. Now, Biden supported all that. Don't get me wrong. He's not like, oh, we should praise Biden for... No, no, they're all in it together. Like, it's... And, and there were some things I liked that Trump did. Um, I at least enjoyed the lip service he paid to school choice, even though he never did anything about it. <laughs> Right. Um, <laughs> you know, there were certain things that, um, uh, you know, he, he did pretty good job. He didn't of, start a war. He, he didn't start a war, but he bombed way more than but I would have loved. he didn't start a new that's, war. That's true. Yeah. All right. I, I'll just not comment on that. <laughs> but, um, you I'm, can listen to a couple past episodes. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm very anti-war, but um, I was sure. in the military. I never got deployed, thank God. I even though the stupid younger me wanted to, um, but uh, that's it's it's that's funny. The three now. military, you know, vet, veterans here are all anti-war. I don't I don't understand. Maybe there's a connection yeah. there. I'm yeah. also I'm also anti-war. Right. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So. Um. But anyway, like you know, but like Trump guys, Trump did some terrible things as president. If you're a Republican, think about this, Trump. Raise tariffs on China, right? Which is a tax on Americans. Mm-hmm. It's not a tax on Chinese people. Try to explain that to them. They don't. They don't yeah, mean. it's it, look. Hey, it's so hard. American jobs. the same that. thing. Exactly look, look, the look, I'm going to defend Trump supporters right now. Yeah. Trump Protecting was a, American job. Trump was a breath of fresh <laughs> air, right? Come on, guys. Like compared to politics as usual. Yeah. I respect people that support Trump in just the fact that he was clearly <laughs> not an insider, right? Yeah. Um, uh, but with that said, like, like he did some really terrible corrupt things. Like he used taxpayer. So not only did he raise tariffs on Americans, which was taxes on Americans, even though he claimed to be lowering taxes, right? Then when farmers were businesses were suffering due to these tariffs, he took your money and he gave it to his farmers because they were his electoral base, so he wouldn't lose their votes. Mm-hmm. Like this was that was complete corruption and it was very calculated. There's no way like they did the farm bailout bill that was Trump, Trump all the way because he knew if that farmers weren't getting money from him, they were not going to vote for him because his tariffs caused their pockets and their bank accounts to go down. Um, and, and it's just even when we get somebody like Trump, like 
who's clearly not an insider, they're still corrupt, right? And it, you just can't have faith in the Republican or Democrats. Their their system is corrupt. It's not that it's not that necessarily anybody who gets involved is a bad person. It's that they are encouraged to become bad people by the system that they're in. Yeah. And so we need to change that process. We need to fight the two-party system, not only for libertarians and green parties and independents. We need to change the two-party system for Democrats and Republicans. Yeah. There's a lot of good Democrats and Republicans that are stuck in this horrible cycle of corruption. Um, and it's will never stop until we break the two party system. Yeah, no, that, that's definitely the point there, right? And I think it takes two parties to, to really mess things up as well. Um, you know, the last question that I'll have for you because I, I know we're we're running out of time here, but uh, during that uh, candidate debate for the Democrats, um, they they did like a pop quiz, right, to see do you do you really know the metrics on housing <laughs> and this and that? And one of the ones that came up was uh, general revenue, so theft. You know, the amount of money that the state <laughs> Stealing from you, and I think they they said the concluded answer was five point five billion dollars. Now, no, 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 it was uh, the governor. By the way, the governor said five point five billion, but he was off by a half a billion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it was just, change, it was just you know? over rounding, five billion. Well, That's well, a rounding me, error. Yeah, let me defer to the treasurer, right? But you know, you know the interesting thing that I want to point out there with that, and you know, on this podcast, one of the first things that we always do because it's such a huge problem is we point out the state spending, we point out the state debt, and you know, usdebtclock.org, the spending for this year, you know, Dan McKee said, you know, we bring in $5.5 5 right? We spent $14.6 billion. This year, so I, again, it all comes back to the Rycast scores. I swear, but you know we're we're, we're you know we're we're, we're yeah. so, so let's see. I haven't taken a all right, so I uh, like I haven't taken a math class in a long time. But let's let let me just see if my brain math works out. If it doesn't work out, don't sue me about it, right? But like, let's see, it's fourteen point. Five billion we spent, you said, or four uh, four, point oh, right now point fourteen point six. The budget, I fourteen point six. And just for context to that, I think the current uh, budget for the for the next year is like thirteen point four billion yep. or something. Okay, like that. and then our intake was actually just over five billion, I believe the the person said. Yeah. So, um, so let's <laughs> see, that's roughly what forty percent. It's less than forty percent. It's like thirty seven percent. Right. Um, of of what we're spending. So so imagine I, this. Imagine you made you made thirty seven thousand dollars per year and you spent a hundred thousand dollars. Would 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 all of your friends and family like have an intervention and be like, don't <laughs> like you need to stop like what is happening are you, would you expect like imagine if your brother or sister made $37,000 per year and you and they were spending $100,000 what would you do would you be allowed to steal from all your neighbors yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no but but it's just it's just guys this is completely irresponsible these and it's 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 because they have no checks and balances the two party system has set up a situation where they don't have consequences for these actions. And what they're doing is they're straddling your children with debt. Your children are going to pay these bills, right? Your children are going to work and they're going to pay taxes towards the interest on the money that we borrow from China, right? The money that we borrow from ourselves, which is kind of weird to say. And uh, that's a whole monetary policy issue in the Federal Reserve. We can talk about that some other time. But, like, guys, like, it doesn't matter who you are. 
if you just think about it in those terms, like they're debt slaves. Debt it's, slaves. It's like, yeah, I mean, look, guys, like something is seriously, seriously wrong in this country. And that 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 is not just a Rhode Island problem. Yeah. Right? It's seriously wrong. We need to change our ways. We need to move forward, right? And it's it's insane. And and I talked about education earlier and like the the it's like, guys, that's just a, the, the, a drop in the bucket, a drop in the bucket. Vote for somebody who's going to go through the entire Rhode Island budget and make sure any any tiny bit of corruption and waste and fraud is, is taken out. I'll, I'll, if I'm elected governor, I'm going to go through the whole thing. I'm going to make it run more as a machine. I'm gonna. I'm not going to take that money and spend it on something else I think that you should pay for. I'm going to give it back to you. Right. I'm going to make sure that you're not paying for it. Right. Like I'm, it, a lot of people ask me, what are you going to do for me as governor? It's not what I'm going to do for you. It's what I'm going to stop doing to you. Rhode Island, the Rhode Island government and all these Democrats and Republicans that have been involved in it, they've been doing terrible things to you this whole time. And at this point, they're not even telling you it's rain. Right. Like you just. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to find every bit of corruption and, and every bit of money going to special interests, and I'm going to make it stop, right? And again, I know I'm, I'm going uphill, right? Like, I'm a third-party candidate. I'm, my competitors literally write the rules of the game, yeah. right? We've already they they try to keep you out of it. They, they, we, I, we've already dealt with that kind of stuff, right? Like, and it, we're gonna, it's going to get worse, right? Now I have to fight to get into the debates, Right. And it's like it's going to be an uphill battle. Well, and, so- and and even if you don't get elected. Right. Like you're saying, it's an uphill battle. The five percent that we talked about earlier in the podcast empowers the Libertarian Party to put more people in the in the fight. Right. So then they can get uh, legislators and town council members. And, you know, so that. It, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't be a loss if if that you didn't make it up the mountain right yeah so and, and so there is multiple avenues um, at play here there's multiple and, and so things, here's the thing right, right? like um and, and again like so a important. lot of people that they'll say like oh libertarians they don't win and it's like actually libertarians win a lot libertarians um, libertarian politicians control billions of dollars of the U.S. economy billions like they're mm. in charge of it right like. Uh, libertarian politicians control billions of dollars of, of state budgets and local budgets, right? Billions. That's a lot of money, right? So we win all the time. But not only do we win, we're the only party that's growing, right? So we're spreading these ideas and we're waking people up to the fact that this this corruption exists. And luckily for us, Republicans and Democrats do a really good job of waking people up for us, yeah. Yeah. right? And so... I mean, look, we win all the time. And if you judge uh, success solely on winning office, like, no, like that's not the only kind of success there is. No. Right. right. And and that's the thing is like where this is a movement. It's you cannot take down the Roman Empire overnight. Like it's not going to happen. Like it takes time. And and just because we're not in the left lane doesn't mean that we're not making progress either here. You know what I'm saying? Like we are in the left lane too. Yeah, but well, I'm just saying like, you know, it it may not seem it to the average libertarian in the state of Rhode Island because, Mm -hmm. you know, it's tough because you don't see us as a recognized party in the state. You don't see us. We're not covered as much. You know, they were quick to write the article saying that you were being excluded from the candidacy, but they've yet to write the article 
yet that you've been you accepted by yeah, that from the, I, like, the board of elections. Me, it so, took me two weeks with Ballotopia to make sure that they corrected them saying that I was disqualified. So, I mean, like, the, the, so, all right. So let's let's cut to brass tacks here because this is really what we're talking about. And if you sat through, you know, two hours and fifteen minutes of this podcast so far, it, like, w- w- and you're interested, you like what we're talking about, you want to help out the campaign. What do what do we need? What what do we need as a campaign? What do we need to help get you elected? You know, hopefully get you elected because God, that that would just change the the, the yeah. narrative here in the state overnight. It would just be a completely different ball game. But even not so much, you know, shoot, aim for the stars, and even if you miss, uh, aim for the moon, and even if you miss, you're going to end uh, upon the stars. We'll get that five percent. We'll become a, a libertarian recognized party here in the state of Rhode Island. What can we do to help you get elected? What do you need? I would actually say ending up in the stars is way more ambitious than the moon, but yeah. He's a product of public education. I think that you said it correctly. I'm just I'm I, I'm criticizing the the, uh, the, 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 the cliche. <laughs> there. Okay, all right. I, it wasn't such you. a build up bill I and I I'm, down. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm I'm like uh Anyway. It's an intelligence officer. He's, he's, yeah. he's, 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 he's reading me like an open book right now, I think. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> all right. So, look, um, one is, guys, this state is ripe for something big. Like, if you haven't seen it, let me tell you, I've collected signatures for other libertarian candidates in probably a dozen different states, right? I have never, never received such excitement when asking people to sign a petition before it is insane how many people are just sick and tired of republicans and democrats they're sick and tired of the old parties they want something new so many people that first question was like what party are you and i'd say oh i'm i'm a libertarian or independent and then they immediately be like all right let me sign it let me sign it yep. right because we want a different option we people are waking up and they're seeing that Doing the same thing and expecting different results is insanity, and we're sick of doing it, right? And so, yeah, like something big could happen during this campaign. And yes, we're going uphill, but listen, start telling pollers. I'm not telling you that I'm going to uh, that I'm going to vote for Callis or Mickey Mouse over there. Um, I'm not going to vote for either one of them if they're not mentioning my name in the poll. Right. That's one thing. Do not do not participate in that junk. Right. Um, make sure that pollers know that um, Two, like me on social media, Facebook, Elijah Gizzarelli for governor. Um, that's Gizzarelli, G-I-Z-Z-A-R-E-L-L-I. Um, Eli, at Elijah John on Twitter. Right. Like both those uh, follow those, share it with your friends, get people excited. Um, after that, you can go to the website, Eli. For ri.com, right? It's on the screen right now. Yep. yep. You can donate there. All the donations go in there, go directly to the Libertarian Party of Rhode Island. Um, and then uh, and um, on top of that, you can sign up to be a volunteer on the website. You can check out all of my issues that we got up there, um, a little biography about me. Um, and the biggest thing I can tell you is you don't need to ask permission, Okay. You can promote this campaign any way you want, any how you want. Don't say that you're a member of the campaign or that you <laughs> represent the campaign, but you don't need to ask permission to promote. I'm, I'm empowering you right now. Whatever you think is cool or a good idea to promote the campaign, 
you can do it. And if you want to link up with us and organize, definitely check us out, right? Mm -hmm. Definitely go to eliferri.com and sign up as a volunteer. Um, or definitely link up with the Libertarian Party of Rhode Island, become a member, and, and ask them how to, how to volunteer. Um, but if you're that's not your thing and you just have an idea that you want to do to promote the, the campaign, do it, right? Um, this is a grassroots movement, and grassroots means that every individual grass pokes up, right? So do it. You, you don't yeah. need to be an official, like, campaign representative in order to help us win. But that's but, but let's let's talk about that for a second though too is that we are not an established political party with the in like the parasitic old guard that has infiltrated all of these town committees and just has have some position that oh, aren't getting away and you're not getting like literally we're building this from the ground up we are looking for precinct captains we're looking for town captains we're looking for county ta captains if you're somebody who is interested in helping out this campaign you know take ownership of your town take ownership of your precinct and say that i'm going to be responsible for spreading the message of the our libertarian governor to the of all the great stuff that you listened to over the last two hours and, and and spreading it in my individual area i'm going to be making sure that those people that are libertarian leaning in my particular area they know about the campaign they're requesting yard signs they're donating to the campaign uh they're volunteering for the campaign we need people to go out to uh to polling places we need people to to help us knock on doors we need people to help and, and stand on the corner and do honking waves wave signs around put a, a sign in your yard uh again there, there's so many little things that social you can media. do social media just just share share the content help us create content Jeez, you know we we've spent so many resources and so much time just fighting the board of elections just to get elijah on the ballot we need help we need help from people that have the skills and the expertise and the understanding of all of these marketing, social media, you know, we need volunteers. That, that, that's the, the, the number one thing. And if you've been looking and waiting for a reason to volunteer for this campaign, this is it. Like, you know, you know, I, and, and j just let me go back to the, the issues, yeah. right? Like, look, guys, if you are sick and tired of of flavored vapes not being available readily or you have to ask some guy to pull out their backpack from under the counter in order to get your fix of you know whatever birthday cake i don't know what they <laughs> these kids are vaping nowadays right like i'm your guy for candidate uh, i'm your guy for governor that's it like vapors they're orphans here right republicans and democrats have thrown you under the bus right vote your interest right if you have a family member you have a friend that are arrested or or have been, spent time in prison for non-violent drug offenses i'm your candidate right i'm gonna set that right right and i can't even set that right right because like honestly like the the pain and suffering that this state has caused you can never be set right right but i will do everything in my power to make sure that your friends and family can go back to their homes, to their jobs, to their lives, um, and get out of these cages. Like it's absolutely crazy. Like, so if that's something that you care about, if you care about harm reduction, you know, I'm your candidate, right? Um, if you want a more transparent government, not some government that's going to like do shady stuff, like say that there's a state of emergency like just so that we can get some money without <laughs> telling you about it only when pressed right like i'm your guy if you want to know what, how actually your state dollars are being spent 
I here here's a here's a task for you because I thought that this was fun. Um, today I was trying to look up like a breakdown of the Rhode Island budget. Right? You try it. <laughs> yeah. Go try yeah. to find where they're spending your money and how they're spending your money. Go ahead. And try to interpret what the hell they try. They try to find that information. If I'm governor, I will make sure that that information is public. the The very idea that they're trying to to make it as opaque and as ridiculous they they this propaganda that they put on their websites is like it's it's insulting. It's insulting that they're just using these buzzwords like, oh, what we're doing to like uh, help community. Like, it's like they don't tell you any numbers. If you look up a budget and they're not showing you numbers, there's a big problem there. They do not respect you. They don't even see you as like, I don't know, like it's completely dehumanizing. Yeah. I'd also say real quick, if you're one of the, the many Rhode Islanders, I don't know if we hit the 180 days yet, but we have a whole bunch of new quote-unquote felons uh, that are about to be announced yep. uh, by the state due to some of the recent uh, gun control legislation. So right. I, I think that Elijah is also the only candidate um, that, that's in your camp on that issue, right? We we know uh, the Democrats during the Dem debate, uh, they all said they would sign additional controls against you. And exactly. and, and, and further, yeah, absolutely. They're like, oh, yeah, give, don't give me one gun control legislation. Give me all of them. I'll sign everything. Uh, and then, the you know, the Republican couldn't even announce if, you know, if they were okay with gun control or not. Or, you know, it, it, there's only one candidate that I know of that will not use the state against you. And, and here's the thing, too, right? This whole felon thing is absolutely ridiculous. And um, I've actually done a lot of work nationally with it. Um, I was uh, the campaign manager for Adam Kokesh running for president, and one of our big campaign promises was to get rid of the whole felony system, right? Um, this whole idea that, like, forever you're, like, a second-class citizen because you did something, it's like, look, guys, this is that is not justice, right? That is not how justice works. The fact that you're irredeemable for the rest of your life is insane. It's either you're safe to be out with society or you're not. Mm -hmm. This whole, like, now you're a second-class citizen. You can never own a gun. You can't vote. We don't care what you have to say. You can't get a good job. You're a subhuman. Like, this is not something that any that anybody that cares about human rights would ever support. And both the Democrats and Republicans in this race will continue this system. As governor, I will do everything in my power to make sure that anybody labeled a felon by the federal government or the state government um, will not suffer any consequences for that. This is an absolutely ridiculous ridiculous status to put on a person i just want to say one last thing the the last thing that i have for the night really is is to the the libertarians in rhode island the actual libertarians the members the people who call themselves libertarians and they're not members of the party the people who are libertarians don't even know that we have a party in the state of rhode island you know this is it you know we've been talking a lot as the the current leadership you know the time that we've been doing this podcast and you know the 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 members of of the executive committee and the libertarian party of rhode island have been talking about how advocacy is not really our our main focus we we need to get candidates elected to run for office uh because that's the way that we get our agenda passed is by having people representatives being able to uh to 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 pass the legislation that we're we're, we're, we're pushing so uh, realistically i'm talking to all the libertarian out there right now this is it your executive committee 
has put in the hard work. We've done everything that was required. All the hoops that the two duopoly uh, major corp, uh, uh, political parties have put in place to prevent third parties from getting on the ballot. Our, your executive committee, your party, your apparatus has done all the work to get Elijah on the ballot. And right now, we need you to put your money where your mouth is and to step up. Because otherwise, what the hell is the point? We haven't had a governor candidate since 1976. We've never had this opportunity yeah. to get out and to vote for a candidate as a libertarian in the state of Rhode Island to show everybody that we are a force to be reckoned with in this state. And, you know, my expectation is that we're going to exceed that 5% well beyond. I think we're going to make a, a run for actually having, a, 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 you know, because when we're talking about in a multi-race, we're, we're talking the first person to get to a third is going to win this this, this 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 race. So, you know, us getting to 30%, 33% is not that much different from us from getting to 5% when you think of the grand scheme of things. But even if everything goes to hell, and let's say everything doesn't work out the way that we want to, the fact that we have gotten a candidate on the ballot, we're running that candidate. We have, we're setting the baseline for us as the state of Rhode Island. And this is the first step in a long journey that we're going to have as a political party here in the state. And if you want to get in on the ground floor of an organization, and we've been talking about this for a while, but it's, it's, it's real now. It's like we haven't done this since 1976. We haven't had a candidate on the ballot since 1976. If you have been waiting for this time, we need you to get involved. Come get involved. Come be a precinct captain. Get involved with your local community. Help organize this group. We cannot do it alone. We cannot. We need the resources. We have the candidate. He is a true libertarian. You don't have to worry about him passing a litmus test or anything like that. Get involved. Do your part. We need you. It, desperately, we need you. I, I, I'm just pleading with you. Please get involved and volunteer. Yeah. Not to mention, it's actually a lot of fun too. Like, uh, oh, yeah. you know, yeah, I think it's it's nice connecting with a community of people that kind of think like you as well. You right? find your tribe. Yeah, 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 yeah especially, yeah. you know, you know, um, I, I just think it's really important. This is a really great opportunity for us, for the Libertarian Party of Rhode Island. And uh, it's time. There, there's there's a lot of people online that, that you know, ever since we made uh, the formal announcement, they'd be like, oh, well, you know, you, you're taking a vote away from him or her or anything like that. And, you know, I'll be bold enough to say that the people that are voting Democrat and Republican are taking the Libertarian vote. Exactly. I, you know, I don't think uh, Rhode Island has had this opportunity uh, in a long time. And it's not just a comparison to other, you know, either third party or, or, or really independent candidates in the past. The Libertarian Party is the third largest party in the entire country. And, you know, by design, Rhode Island has tried to suppress that. And I think we have a really unique opportunity to, to make a lot of ground here. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I agree. So... I, I think, uh, I mean, we're at we're about two and a half hours right now. So, yeah. I mean, that, this is, we still have a lot more to talk uh, there about. Is, I know, there's you know, tons more. Uh, you know, what I've just been seeing online is people have more questions, you know, definitely get in contact with the campaign. Uh, I know Elijah's got a, I don't think he knows it yet, but he's got a pretty full calendar coming with uh, interviews and, and, and different things like that. Hopefully we can get him on some debates. You know, I'll, I'll put it out there is, you know, if any of the Democrat uh, or Republican candidates uh, want to, uh, you know, touch base, you know, I would love for you to steal every single one of Elijah's ideas. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So if I you want to run on the libertarian platform, hey. go for it. Yeah, we'd love it. And, and, and that's, that's another part of winning, right, is libertarians have changed the conversation in this country many times, especially about drug reform, um, uh, cannabis being legalized in a lot of places. A lot of times that came from libertarians running, right, and pushing that issue. 
right? Uh, the Libertarian Party, just because I know a lot of people aren't familiar with the history. Even some libertarians don't know the history. Our first candidate for president was an openly gay man, right? Mm-hmm. In 1972, his vice president, a woman, Who right? Got an electoral vote. Ele- yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the only woman. Oh, well, uh, Hillary got yeah. electoral votes yes. now. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, right. yeah. That's, a, that's an old stat. But yeah, she yeah. was the only woman with an electoral vote for up president. Up until that point. Up yeah. until that point, yeah. yeah. Um, and also, like, Joe Jorgensen, by the way, who's amazing, uh, uh, she's a teacher down at Clemson University. She was our presidential nominee for 2020 and our vice presidential nominee in tw- 2000, right? Or is it 96? 96. Yeah. Um, and so in 90, she's the only woman to appear on every state's ballot twice. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Um, and U.S. history, not just libertarian history, okay. U.S. history. Um and so, uh, so th- there's like a lot of cool things, but libertarians have been pro-gay marriage since the beginning, right? Um, uh, as actually, um, me personally, as soon as I got out of the army, I started campaigning. I went door to door for Rhode Islanders United for Marriage Equality, right? Um, this is uh, ver- libertarians have been cutting edge on so many societal improvements over the past 50 years we've been cutting edge we've been pushing these issues um and so i mean just by supporting us you make our voice stronger just by coming out and voting for the libertarian instead of wasting your vote for the republican or democrat because we all know who's going to win that race right um instead of doing that you can amplify a voice that's fighting for your freedom Right. And by doing that, you're putting pressure on Republicans and Democrats to start changing their views and changing the the topics that they talk about and and um, the policies that they actually put in place. And that is how we change politics in this country. Right. Is by being by dissenting. Do not follow the party line just because you're scared of the other guy when we all know who's going to win the race anyway. Right. Um, Vote your conscience. Vote for who has the best policies right and that's how we change right let's do do, it we don't do it by doing exactly (laughs) what they want us to do yeah i think that's as good a point as any to uh i I think so yeah we'd love to have you back on the show uh you know and uh you know again i'll open it and i'll ask you the question if you were uh presented with an opportunity to sit down with the republican and the democrat candidate would would you sit and have an open conversation with them about these topics i definitely would I mean, honestly, I don't think anybody's past redemption. I'm a Christian. <laughs> so the gauntlet has been laid. If, uh, you okay. know, after September 13th, uh, on Tuesday, uh, we will know who those two candidates are. Yep. You're more than welcome to come. We'll have them on the podcast. There you go. Uh, open yeah. invitation. We'd love that. That'd be, oh, that'd be uh, awesome. a huge scoop. We'd love that. Um, okay. Come on down. All right. So with that, um, yeah, just oh, follow us as well. Uh, LibertyRI.com slash connect. And you'll have all of our links to all our social media and our... Uh, contact form to shoot us an email and um, that's it Uh, until next time peace take care peace have a good one you've been listening to the Rhode Island Liberty Report be sure to check us out at libertyri.com